Hey everybody, right before the show, wanted to let you know we have an update to our Patreon. A brand new monthly movie podcast is available now for $10 and up patrons at patreon.com slash talking simpsons. You want to hear me and Bob talk all about Mask of the Phantasm? The best Batman movie of all time? You can hear all about that in our long, almost three hours long podcast, patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. I heartily endorse this event or product. Ahoy hoy everybody, welcome to Talking Simpsons, proudly sponsored by Donnie's Discount Gas. I'm your host, lead boy, Bob Mackey, and this is our chronological exploration of The Simpsons. Who else is here with me today? Henry Gilbert, and I'm going to start slacking at any moment. <laughs> and who is our special guest? Nina Matsumoto. <laughs> Join me or die. <laughs> <laughs> and today's episode is In Marge We Trust. Homer, the Lord only asks for an hour a week. In that case, you should have made the week an hour longer. Lousy God. <laughs> Today's episode aired on April 27th, 1997, and as always, Henry will tell us what happened on this mythical day in real-world history. <gasps> oh my God! Oh boy, Bobby, X-Wing versus TIE Fighter debuts on the PC. Romy and Michelle's high school reunion goes underrated at the box office, and this week, Ellen officially came out of the closet in the classic Puppy episode. The second you mentioned that video game, I expected Cat Bailey to just appear <laughs> in the <laughs> room. through the wall. <laughs> <laughs> Did someone uh, say X-Wing versus TIE Fighter? I enjoyed that game quite a lot uh, as well. It was one of the first PC games I really played because we didn't have, until 99, I think it was when we first got a, a game play PC. Hmm. So mine could barely handle it on the lowest settings, but it was a lot of fun. I loved putting the shields in the front, and then as I'm going back by, like, okay, I'll power the shields in the back. Business good. up front, party in the back. <laughs> it was good times. Yeah. Is that the one where you're in the cockpit and you're mm -hmm. flying an X-Wing? Do you get to pilot the TIE Fighters as well? Yeah, this one, in the first one, it's just X-Wing. You only play on the Rebel side, but this allowed PvP in it. It added a technical element to Star Wars that George Lucas never planned, so the developers of the game just had to make it up. They just had to be like, well, how does power work mm -hmm. in this thing? It's funny that you bring that up, though, because I think there's an X-Wing in my Airbnb room. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, like a giant X-Wing, and I couldn't figure out if it was... I keep forgetting what's an X-Wing and what's a TIE fighter, because <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that uh, knowledgeable about Star Wars. Oh, come on. One's an X, and one's but not the, an But the X. wings are closed in the oh, model right now, so I'm I like, see. oh, does this like fold out into an X-shape? So they're in S-foil position, eh? Mm. Uh, if I may be super nerdy. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I don't care for this. <laughs> okay. There's and also so, a shuriken in my room. <laughs> oh, whoa. Well, What's going on with the interior? It's a very nerdy Airbnb. <laughs> uh, but Romy Michelle's High School yeah. Reunion is a really good movie. I love that movie. It's super funny. Directed by former Simpsons showrunner David Merkin. Yeah, he did a lot of direction before this. He uh, Mostly on shows like Get a Life and mm -hmm. probably The Edge, too, I'm guessing. And this was like his first movie one that kind of he's he's still on and off a of film director. He actually just got hired for another film. That's right. Uh, but this is the kind of movie that Lisa Kudrow spent her friends 
Friends power on. You know, she was a huge star. She could make whatever movie she wanted after Friends got big. And she had this thing she did in improv of Romy and Michelle, these going to their high school reunion. So she wanted to make it as a film, though her co-star from improv couldn't get cast in it. So they instead... I hate when that happens. <laughs> yeah, I know. So they had to go with a movie star in uh, Mir Servino. Yeah. Oh, I, I've always wanted to see that movie. I heard it's really good. And I heard this, the uh, humor is very Simpson-y. Oh, yeah. It's mean as hell. Oh, I like it. <laughs> it's also, yeah, it is a dark movie. Uh, Alan Cummings is very funny in it, as mm. is Janine Garofalo. Yeah, I love Janine Garofalo, so I wanted to see her in it, but it, I still haven't. It's perfect Janine Garofalo of the 90s. It's what you it's what you expect or mm-hmm. want from a Janine Garofalo. And, and Lisa Kudrow is a really good comedic actress, too. Like, she's pretty underrated, I think. She hasn't yeah. done much lately. Was she uh, was she a groundling? I believe so, yeah. She she dated Conan O'Brien. Really? Oh, Did the groundlings just disappear? Now everyone is from UCB, but you never hear, like, oh, they were in the groundlings. That used to be where everyone came from. I think UCB became the cool new thing. Yeah. yeah. Also, uh, dropping some Frasier knowledge again. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, go ahead. Get your uh, impressions ready. Uh, oh, Nina, please. <laughs> uh, Lisa Kudrow was originally cast as Roz in Frasier, and they, in fact, filmed a pilot episode with her, but then things didn't work out, and she was recasted. Whoa! And yeah. so that freed her up to be on Friends, I guess, then? The Maybe. Does that wow. line up with the timeline? Yeah, Frasier's yeah. 93, Friends is 94. Wow. Imagine if she was Roz and she wasn't and on Friends. Was wow. she on Mad About You before? Yes. That as uh, Ursula? Ursula, yeah. And they're actually like canonically twins who don't like each other. If you look back on those shows, then you'll see NBC knew who they wanted to have cast and stuff. So they start doing guest appearances and other sitcoms before that. Like uh, the single guy appeared as a walk on (laughs) role in an episode. Oh, the single guy. I actually like that show. (laughs) It was an all right show of all the. I like Caroline in the City the most of all the friends alike shows. I I remember that Mad About You being. Being uh, part of the Seinfeld universe too, right? Is that correct? Yeah, and they got some like weird Seinfeld favors, like Kramer appeared for three seconds to get his mail or something. Paul Reiser was old buddies with Seinfeld, yeah. so he could get he could get Kramer. They they didn't Seinfeld didn't play ball with friends. They wouldn't make friends appearances, but Paul Reiser was able to <laughs> to hook, get the hook up with Seinfeld. I enjoy this uh, sitcom multiverse. <laughs> we don't get those anymore. Oh, and you know Ray Romano was almost cast. He was cast in the pilot of News Radio and got yeah. replaced by Joe Rogan. Oh Boy, my god. I mean, Joe yeah. Rogan is so great on that show, but what he's become, I kind of <laughs> wish the time machine existed where I could give Ray Romano that job again. <laughs> there there weren't like, some of the people on news radio were not great people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah Dave Foley is a is a innocent pure man. He's a national treasure. <laughs> yes. National well, not Canadian our nation. <laughs> yeah. And uh, in the Ellen episode where she came out of the closet, a big, big deal. Mm-hmm. The first time a main character of any sitcom was gay, and she played around with it for such a long time, and you got to see all the celebrities they got in that episode. They got Laura Dern, they got Billy Bob Thornton, Oprah. Did that not air in your in your town, Henry? Were you saying it didn't it air? It did air okay. in my town. It had a warning. There were some thoughts mm-hmm. it wouldn't because my ABC affiliate was one of the ones that didn't show <laughs> NYPD Blue because they felt it was too dirty for us, but they did air Ellen. I think it had a warning. Of War- like, warning, some women like women. Yes, a warning, yeah. no Lisa, boys kiss girls. <laughs> if your child were to watch this, they might realize they could be gay and then it's all over. That's a, that's a really good episode, though. I watched it when it first aired because I was also into um, watching Ellen and uh, I wonder if it, like, how it holds up now if you watch it. I think it. it holds up pretty good. It, it's also interesting, though, that like the show ended within a year after that and I think it's because it was a huge 
ratings bonanza the first time, but then she just kept talking about being gay, and that just turned everybody <laughs> off. How dare she? There was a great Mr. Show parody of that in which I believe Bob, <laughs> yes. uh, sorry, David came out as being bald. Yes. And the joke was like, we all knew Ellen was gay. I mean, everybody yeah. knew. Yeah, I, I remember at the time, Scott Thompson was one of many out gay actors who kind of wasn't as celebratory as possible because he's like, I've been out this whole time. Ellen got to get successful while being in the closet and now she wants to come out. There was some backlash within the gay community to Ellen coming out, but mostly it was positive. Mm. I, I'm positive about it too. I recently watched all of the Larry Sanders show for the first time and there was an episode where Ellen comes on and she has a one night stand with him. Oh, uh, really weird. Oh, that is so weird. That was before she came out. Yeah, I was going to say, she she also, not too long before that episode, she started that movie Mr. Wrong. With where, Bill Pullman? With Bill Pullman, oh, yeah. yes. Yeah. Not Bill Paxton is Homer would correct <laughs> So our special guest, yes. uh, our three-peat guest, Nina Matsumoto, Ooh. is here. <laughs> is this the first time we've had a three-peat special guest on our show? I think so. And think so. she's here in person. Yes, finally. <laughs> in Berkeley. Well, I shouldn't say finally. I was here for the first time. That's for true. Summer, but, too. Uh, but, you know, I called in last time because it was appropriate for the, the show. Yeah, <laughs> we needed a phraseologist. Mm-hmm. And and in this case, we, we are asking you on this one because partially because of your background as a Japanese Wait, person. She's Japanese? What? Yeah. I thought it was called here because I used to do um, give advice yeah. at the church. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. I thought Matsumoto was a very, just very Italian name. <laughs> I get that a lot. Uh, but, I do like pizza. Uh, I've seen it. <laughs> I mean, this is the Mr. Sparkle episode, even though this Mr. Sparkle like takes over this episode from really Marge. Yeah, I've got some issues with how Marge is treated in this episode. Yeah, but it's, it's just like the pretzel wagon one. Yeah. Marge gets her story taken over by Homer and his more fun craziness. Marge fails at something and it's not her fault. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> ultimately. But we'll get we'll get into that more later. But yeah, Nina's here because of she uh, she is a Japanese Canadian. A Canadian. How do, how, how do you say that again? A Japanese Canadian? I got it right. <laughs> and uh, you technically Japanese is your first language, right? It is. Yeah, yeah. I'm ESL. ESL forever. What was like you were watching The Simpsons when it was this episode when it was new. Why? What was it like seeing this episode all about an interpretation of Japanese culture? Uh, I was delighted by it. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, I think the very first time I left a comment uh, on Talking Simpsons was for the Fugu episode. Oh. Because you guys are talking about like, oh, I wonder how Japanese people felt watching this this episode. And I commented saying, actually, like me and my family, we weren't offended by anything. We were just like glad to see some kind of representation on TV. Like back then, you take whatever you can get, even <laughs> if it might get things wrong. Like it's going to happen. It's hard to look things up back then. Like now, if you get things wrong, then, you know, shame on you. There's the internet. <laughs> <laughs> to get things accurate but uh, back then uh, I didn't mind if there were some weird inaccuracies and like, like I said like any representation is better than being treated like you don't exist at all right <laughs> and that everybody's yeah. white <laughs> yeah and the show usually did a good well, I don't want to say usually, but they, mm. they this episode does a good job of hiring Japanese American actors yeah. to say the words. They're not not, not native Japanese. I think. I mean, the show's case. always been good about that. Like every yeah. time they have um, Japanese characters on, they get Japanese actors. Sometimes. I think some some showrunners are better than others, but I th- I think these Bill Oakley and Josh Weinstein especially they would be the ones who be like, if someone's going to speak this language, we want to f- we want to find out the actual words and not make a gibberish. Uh, Algie and Mike Reese sometimes would not do that. Yeah. <laughs> In, in yeah. certain scenes. Actually, I had done what Homer does, asks of Akira in this episode. I, I, had, I had asked Nina for help 
one time on the uh, in the Critic crossover episode. She was our expert. Is Bart speaking Japanese here yeah, about right. the yeah. maps? Yeah, yeah. Every time they have Japanese on here, um, it is actual Japanese, and I really appreciate that because a lot of other shows would not do that. <laughs> no, no. In the in the '90s, it was still even by '97 when this aired, it was you could get some pretty broad characters in mm-hmm. those shows. And yeah. I really want to know who their Japanese consultant was for stuff like this, yeah, especially wonder. for this commercial. Well, you know, Richard Sakai is a producer on it, though I don't know how, what true. exactly his background is. I do remember yeah. Bob in the uh, in one of your most viral tweets Who? <laughs> uh, was those notes yeah, on uh, right. Black Widower where Mac Raining said that Richard Sakai felt some of the drawings of Japanese people were insensitive the first time. Mm-hmm. So he helped some there. So I wonder if he's done that in the past, too. Could be. Yeah, that weird woman in the kimono and the blue hair and the chopsticks <laughs> in her hair. Yes, that yeah. That was kind of odd, but still. like I, It's a weird design. I could tell they were trying at least a little bit because they got actual Japanese actors. And mm-hmm. I think my parents got a real kick out of hearing Japanese on The and, Simpsons. And meanwhile, for us, we were just, we were Bart going like, raw fish? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> I was just like Doug Funny when he couldn't eat sushi. <laughs> was there an episode about that? I think so, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. No, his grandma <laughs> wants him to try sushi and he's afraid to do it. His cool hauling ass to Lollapalooza grandma <laughs> showed up with her motorcycle. <laughs> That's right. Was and she I, a cool grandma? She was. And she was like, just think of uh, the sushi like little tires because they oh, were little yeah. rolls. That's right. Mm-hmm. Good uh, time. Talking Doug. It's turning to the Doug show <laughs> Oh, now. no. I'll see myself out. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. Before we start the episode, though, I want to talk about we have a new writer on this episode, uh, Donna Carey. So like a lot of Simpsons writers, he was a Letterman guy, and he wrote for Late Night with David Letterman from 92 to 97. So he followed Dave from NBC to CBS, and he was the head writer before he left. So that's pretty uh, pretty esteemed position to be it, head writer of David Letterman. It feels like almost a step down yeah. to be like staff writer on Simpsons from Letterman. I mean... But Not also, everybody's let in to be a staff writer on The Simpsons, so it's a big name role, but still. Yeah, but I mean, that is also like almost a daily, like four days a week writing, having to control new jokes putting and put on the air. So yeah. it could be just a ton of work that Plus burns he, you out. This was a job that let him move to LA when he'd be working in New York yeah, City the whole time. That is that. true. Uh, so you worked on the show up until the kind of the end of Mike Scully's run. He had maybe like four or five years, I'm guessing, on the show. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he did some other cool stuff. Uh, I know people like the show. I have no opinion about it, but he was co-executive producer of Just Shoot Me. So that show's all right. He helped, I liked it. He yeah. helped run that show and I think he helped start that show and then he was executive producer sorry he was co-executive producer on a lot of things that I, I have mostly not seen but I know are good uh, like Bored to Death I heard that's very good yeah that was it's a like good show. A, a nice Ted Dancer revival before The Good Place <laughs> uh, New Girl which people said is a good traditional sitcom and also one that I really like is Parks and Rec like, yeah he was a yeah. co-showrunner on Parks and Rec so all, all really good things it's also funny that that means he hired he hired Mike Scully yeah. on his show after Mike Scully uh, worked with him on Simpsons The Simpsons Mom Mafia. And uh, so now he's doing stuff like consulting gigs on things like Silicon Valley. And what astounded me is that he's also consulting producer on CBS's reboot of The Odd Couple, which I didn't know existed. And it's in its third season. Wait, That's what? Right. Yeah. yeah. I've never heard of that. I totally forgot. It's Tom Lennon and Matt Perry, Matthew Perry. Oh, like, really? Yes. Oh, my what? God. Tom Lennon is in. The- okay. Wow. That's why Tom Lennon isn't on podcasts anymore, because he has a regular high paying uh, sitcom job. That'll never happen to me, 
folks. I've plateaued at this uh, mm-hmm. podcasting level. And one other note, uh, uh, the commentary for this episode is not like fantastic, just because we don't get really enough like Japanese information or where they got the Japanese you know commercials from, who was their consultant. But I have to say, now that he's dead, uh, it's great. It's great to hear Alex Rocco on a commentary. It's so yeah, weird. It's like, Alex, Why is he this there? This is so <laughs> funny. I love this. They, they clearly recorded it right after they recorded the Pucci commentary. Yeah, everybody from the Pucci commentary oh, plus Donnick Carey. So they they just stuck around, which is it's. I kind of like those. It's it's a fun feeling, but yet also Alex Rocco kind of has like cute grandpa stories to add, but not really too informative on it. I like that Alex Rocco is just this old man enjoying the cartoon. He's like, <laughs> so good. And yeah. Yardley's really enjoying the cartoon too. She's yeah. like, this is so great. Who thinks of that? That's so great. <laughs> That's it's it's nice when Yardley says it, though she doesn't add too much like insight, but uh, but she just sounds she just sounds like Lisa enjoying yeah. the show, and it's really cute to hear Sweet. her. And uh, oh, and Donna Carey also created Little Bush. Oh, yeah. I left that off my list because I didn't want to give him that. Look, I mean, hey, it was it was the that 2000s. sounds really familiar. What was that again? Um, it was like Little Archies, but starring the Bush cabinet. It and there was, was no better uh, year than the year before he left office. <laughs> yes, well, that's when it was safest. To yeah, make it. And, and it certainly uh, holds up to, to <laughs> test it. No, it doesn't. Look, it's whatever. It's going to be paid. one of our mini series. <laughs> But I just remember when when that show premiered, it could advertise itself as from a producer on The Simpsons. Oh, they did do that. That's right. He's also a Nantucket native, which he brings up multiple times on this. I, really? I couldn't tell if he's... That puts him in the Harvard region, but no proof on if he's a Harvard guy or not. I. But I, he is a man from Nantucket. Yes. <laughs> I didn't know that was a real place. <laughs> I've heard stories about men from Nantucket, and frankly, they've, they've, uh, they seem untrue to me. <laughs> the, uh, wasn't that the setting of Wings, too? The sitcom uh, Wings? Was it? Ah, who cares? <laughs> exactly. And this episode is also, so, you know, it fits into the Bill and Josh style in that uh, they do a lot in their seasons. And one of the things that they do, aside from destroying canon and doing major status quo changes, <laughs> is, um, sorry, I, I meant reinforcing canon. They're exploring a seemingly one-note character who doesn't really have a backstory yet, who doesn't really have a lot to him. He's just like, what's up with this bored uh, reverend? Like, what's <laughs> what's his story? And this, is, this episode looks into that more. Like, how did he get this way? And uh, in their first episode of their run, Oakley and Weinstein, we see the runner of Ned calling Lovejoy. Mm. And Lovejoy being into his model trains as a way to, you know, relieve stress and to get away from people. So they were building things about Lovejoy in their season from the very beginning, in their run from the mm. very beginning. Well, Ned calling Lovejoy goes back as early as like the second season. That is true, yeah. yeah. So maybe they're just like, oh, that was a fun idea. Let's do more of that and let's give Lovejoy a little something more to do. They were great at rediscovering runners that had kind of lost stuff in the in the in the later in like season four and five and six. And then the calling stuff really worked well with then adding his HO model train. Yeah. That's just such a, why do you hate my train? <laughs> uh, I should have looked this up, but has there been another uh, Lovejoy-centric episode since this one? Uh, okay, Pulpit Friction. That would be the next time he had a major appearance in it where Reverend Lovejoy so on Pulpit Friction from season 24 sees Ed Norton arrive as the cool new pastor who's preaching and taking over for Lovejoy. Oh, yeah. I remember that episode actually. I, I, that's one of the, the few quote-unquote new episodes I've seen. Wow. Wow, I have not seen this one. It's, I don't know uh, much about it. That's like Ed Norton's second uh, guest role on the show. 
It yeah. is? Yeah, he played the in um Yeah, wait, he was the con the, man. The grifter, yeah. 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 Oh man. And this one that was the one that ends with the uh the, the big up. surf contest yeah. of them just like giving a middle finger to the audience, like, yeah, here's the end. <laughs> Pulpit Friction, that's written by Bill Odenkirk, another of the oh, Mr. Okay. Show guys. And Futurama too. Also a Harvard man. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I love Joy seeing him back in this too. This is when it really hit me how oval his eyes are and how he yeah. really stands out from everybody else. And Just a weird season one remnant that no character will ever be designed like him again. Yeah. That means his eyelids are really long too. Where do they go? Oh, yeah. Mm. <laughs> they they, they should make a lot of noise when they're rolling up into his head. <laughs> when he's shocked, there's like a giant pile of flesh <laughs> sticking oh, out over it. it just, there's, there's so many characters that I love how they look, but they would never be designed that way in like season three. Like Barney and Lenny and Lovejoy, they just aren't following the same rules mm-hmm. as a lot of the other characters. I think Lovejoy's design holds it pretty well, though. Yeah, yeah. He's not one of the weirder ones. I bet they've made some subtle changes from like season one to season eight with mm-hmm. him just to make him work. Same with like Alex Rocco's uh, character, George Meyer Jr., so extreme. Blue hair, <laughs> yeah. Blue hair, big long nose, huge eyes. Like, yeah, he's uh, Jay Lauren Pryor, too, would also look really weird if you were to see him walking around in the show now. But I guess we'll see him in a few episodes yeah. in Lisa, Lisa Sachs, Sachs, won't we? We'll test then how much he's changed. <laughs> I don't care for him. <laughs> but this episode's also really about Wacky in Japan, too, which, I mean, when was the first time you guys got to see crazy Japanese commercials as, a, as a child? I mean, I, I used to in take Japan. vacations oh, to, yeah. to Japan when I was little, so <laughs> there. Well, I'm glad you guys talked about the lol wacky Japan stuff in the Canine Mutiny. That's you right, touched the on that and machine stuff. Yeah. It was so nice to hear that because, yeah, I also like do get sick of people saying, like, look how crazy Japan is, and it, not realizing that it's crazy to them them too it's supposed to be funny yeah it's one of those crappy lost in translation things and i don't mean the movie i mean the the subject that (laughs) that's a great movie how dare you i do love that movie but but yeah i think that we as jerk ass americans we can sometimes make the assumption of like there's no way that people in japan know this is crazy they think this is normal this is why i'm laughing at it you're not laughing at a comedy intended to be funnier that's uh, the wacky in japan stuff that some people laugh at it it feels like it comes from a negative place of feeling that they're of superiority yeah. to another culture being very patronizing yeah which i don't like i yeah. think uh i think i mean i was into japanese things when this episode aired i was probably watching anime and i was definitely watching anime yeah me too but i didn't really see any japanese commercials probably until the i had like cable internet could download them and i remember one of the earliest ones that everyone was into as like you know lol wacky japanese commercial was the commercial for choo choo rocket the oh, uh yeah, the dreamcast yeah. one it's just a fun song about uh you know the mice go on the rocket and the, the cat chases them and stuff like that video game commercials were some of the first I saw too yeah. that were wacky Japan. Another was um, like 98.99, an ad for a white Sega Saturn, which was just had this uh, your typical anime bunny girl singing a song about how all these things are white, including hmm. the new Sega Saturn. It was like Shiro, 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 do do do. It's cute, but it also I was watching it a little bit of like this is so wacky in Japan. Look at this. Yeah, I mean I, I'm guilty of falling into that trap and being patronizing, and I don't do that anymore. More, but I, I mean, I, I wrote video game articles for a long time, and I was writing for the internet for a long time. So I'm sure if you go back and be like, "Wow, what will Japan think of next?" It's crazy. <laughs> I mean, I've had to deal with a lot of preconceived notions of, of Japan a lot growing up, obviously, because I am Japanese. Uh, my parents are from Japan, but I was born and raised in Vancouver, uh, British Columbia. I will say I am very lucky to have grown up there because we have such a huge Asian population in Vancouver. Like as of 2017, 43 percent of Vancouver is, is has an Asian heritage. Wow, and that's that makes uh, Vancouver. Vancouver, the most Asian city outside of Asia.
Asia. Uh, second place is San Francisco at 33%. Wow. Actually. So, I yeah. Idea. I never got, like, bullied for being Asian or whatever because everyone was Asian. <laughs> I did not meet anyone who was Asian until, uh, like, my second year of college. That's oh, how, wow. that's how that's white crazy. My, uh, my area was. Sometimes when I travel to the States, I play a little game to myself. I'm like, okay, let's see if I can find one Asian person <laughs> around here. It usually takes a while. Uh, yeah, no, in Jacksonville, Florida. Well, actually, I mostly didn't see Asian people growing up in Arkansas, Georgia. When I moved to Jacksonville, Florida, there's a bigger Asian population there, mainly Filipino, uh, like in other island folks. But yeah, I didn't really got super into Japanese culture with anime and video games, but I couldn't even, like, this feels very dated now, but at the local colleges, which were not high name ones, but they were like... Gudger. Uni- yes, the, the Gudger <laughs> colleges in my area, they didn't have Japanese language classes, which I totally would have taken there. Oh, me too. Me yeah, too. And they just didn't have access to it. My freaking college had Russian. Uh, wow. Go to hell. <laughs> so, like, uh, when I say I was not offended by the depictions of Japanese people on The Simpsons growing up, I just want to say I don't speak for all uh, Japanese people, obviously. Uh, like, I was, like I said, I was fortunate, you know, to live, uh, grow up in a, in a place with lots of Asian people. So, um, it's, it's not like, like, oh, like, I have to endure bullying at school and now they're making fun of uh, Japanese people on the show I love. It's like, no, like, it was nice to see. And it, I was never bullied for my heritage, but there were still people who were ignorant uh, about mm. Asian cultures and Japanese cultures. And I didn't want to be like a Japanese stereotype. So for the longest time, I actually did not watch anime because I didn't want to be like, uh, oh, the Japanese girl who watches anime. Mm. And people will always be like, oh, you're Japanese. Oh, do you like draw like Sailor Moon and Dragon Ball all the time? Like, I don't. I don't even know what those shows are. And uh, my favorite is like, oh, what? You're Japanese, but your voice is so low. Oh, God. <laughs> people think all Japanese people have like high pitched voices. You have not seen Evangelion or Cowboy Bebop. Yeah, I haven't. Yeah. <laughs> or true. One Piece. What's going no, on? I'm a terrible Japanese person. I'm, <laughs> well, I'm getting, I've gotten better since. Um, yeah, but for a long time, I'm like, uh, I don't want to be a stereotype. But now, you know, I draw. I draw manga and I watch anime and I do martial arts. So <laughs> uh, yeah, that's cool. But in my junior high, I would have been an insufferable kid to a Japanese student of saying like, "Well, hey, have you heard of Radma? I think Radma's really cool." Like that. That would have been. I, I would, I would yeah. get some people wanting to be my friend just because I'm Japanese. I would have been that well-meaning idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. And I, I apologize. I apologize to all the Japanese people <laughs> in, my, in my youth. I'm sorry. I did see some of those commercials once YouTube opened up more. Those got shared yeah and there is something what i do love about the japanese commercials that they're they're funny and i there's been some really funny ones even recently i watched like there was one for this like it seemed like basically a taffy like grape rope commercial that was basically like a 10 episode installment of this love story (laughs) over grape rope it was really cool but in other ones nisan cup noodles has some very funny expensive high budget commercials (laughs) like they did one of final fantasy 15 except it replaced everything everything with forks and cup noodles and uh, attack on titan right oh yeah they did one of those too where yeah. the mystery meat was human oh wow. <laughs> yeah I- i'm glad you brought up the missing cup noodle commercials because one of my favorites is for milk and seafood have you seen that one? no i haven't seen that you one look it up i'm oh. not going to tell you what it okay. is <laughs> Well, yep. <laughs> we both watch the same YouTube channel that just puts out a compilation of Japanese commercials every week. Oh, I forget cool. what oh, the, right. the name of that channel. Yeah, I do. Okay, uh, the best YouTube channel for Japanese commercials is Two, as in the Japanese character Two. I don't think you have to put that in there. JPCMHD, or just search like Japanese commercial raw batch number zero sixty three or whatever. Oh, You'll yeah. find it. Yeah. Every I'm, week they do a compilation. I don't do the weekly ones. I've, I whenever they put out the yearly 
one for the last few years. I've been watching those and just like, wow, these are so but, so good. They they had one of Yo- Nissan had one of Yoda boiling a, with like he was force holding up a giant boiling tea kettle that they <laughs> poured into a giant bowl of cu- a cup of noodles. But unlike the Mr. Sparkle commercial, I, I feel like Japanese commercials are even quicker than American commercials. They just have oh, a very God, yeah. simple idea, uh, often a very absurdist humor you know idea that's communicated very fast. They're almost like Vine videos. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, and the celebrity aspect of them too always did interest me because you had these stars who, for American products, they'd be like, this is too low for me. I can't do a commercial for batteries or whatever in America. But in Japan, for the big price tag, they'll do it there. And they, There's something magical about watching these commercials that like Arnold Schwarzenegger or Leonardo DiCaprio or Hulk Hogan. Oh, Tommy Lee Jones. Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> that they never expected anyone outside of Japan to see. And now we're seeing them. So there's a real interesting angle to it of that, of just like the secret commercials that movie stars didn't want you to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, that was one of my, wow, I really in Japan moments was when I saw a commercial at a SoftBank place that was like SoftBank meets Tommy Lee Jones coffee. Boss uh, coffee? Yeah, it is boss. The guy Sorry, on yeah. the on the can just looks like him. <laughs> but Tommy Lee Jones was advertising it too. So Ooh. it was him with the SoftBank family for this like kind of cross promotion. The SoftBank family, the father is a white dog too. No, but not a Shiba, right? Yeah. It's, it's a, something else. An Akita? It's not an Akita okay. either. I can't remember. It's like Shikoku Ken or something. Mm. Uh, yeah, Tommy Lee Jones being in the Boss uh, coffee ads. I think they mostly did that because famous Japanese comedian uh, Tamori would do ads for Boss Coffee. So they got oh. Tommy Lee and Tamori. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That's, uh, that's clever. And, that's... and you've probably seen Tamori. Like, he always wears sunglasses. Yeah. Actually, I just heard of him because I watched Conan O'Brien's went went to Japan thing he did. And somebody on the street compared him to Tamori. And really? Like, oh, he's like he's wearing that sunglasses? Guy. I guess. I, I don't know. They just one of the people on the street compared him to that if, if tamori wants to be not recognized in the streets does he take off his sunglasses <laughs> he's like cyclops so just fire lasers <laughs> everywhere um actually uh one of my my all-time favorite series of japanese commercials stars jean reno and it's the live action doraemon ones oh and wow. yeah french actor jean reno plays doraemon it's <laughs> delightful i haven't seen that. I haven't oh seen you gotta either. look that up you gotta look that okay. up it's so good we have to I, watch these i know <laughs> he's huge in japan like he they love him there he was in onimusha 3 i think yes oh yeah, yeah. and he did a movie called Wasabi, I remember, that was like a Japanese-French production where he eats a, in one of the scenes, he eats a giant glob of wasabi and just doesn't react to it. That's an action scene. Show how tough he is. (laughs) The Simpsons will be right back. We hope you're enjoying this episode 100% because we 100% loved having on Nina Matsumoto for this week's episode. She is the amazing artist behind so many of the Talking Simpsons images, including the brand new poster we have for our January 16th live show. Go on Patreon or check my Twitter right now and you'll see the awesome art she did for it. But it is an amazing show we have planned for you guys on January 16th. 8 p.m. 
in San Francisco at the Gateway Theater. Who do we have? It's a live crossover podcast with our buddies at Everything's Coming Up Simpsons. Allie Gertz and Julia Prescott will be there live to talk with us about Principal and the Pupper, one of the most controversial episodes in Simpsons history. We'll have cool surprises and tons of fun live for you Wednesday, January 16th at the Gateway Theater. If you head to Patreon, you'll find a post that'll show you how to get to your tickets or you can go to sfsketchfest.com and check out the schedule and you'll see us on there January 16th. So we'll be sure to see you January 16th, 8 p.m. at the Gateway Theater in San Francisco. Some people have a dream about falling. We have a dream about doing the best Simpsons podcast in the world. And me and Bob are doing it thanks to the support at patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. If you join the talking Simpsons network there, you can listen to next week's episode right now. You could be hearing it ad free as well just for $5 a month and you'll get the same ad-free and week early episodes of our sister podcast What a Cartoon where we go through a different cartoon each week not to mention you'll get to hear our many Simpsons expert interviews where we chat with folks who have worked on the show almost from the beginning including Mike Reese Bill Oakley David Silverman Mark Kirkland Josh Weinstein and so many more you should check that out all for signing up at patreon.com slash talking simpsons and at the ten dollar level we have a brand new monthly movie podcast just for the premium folks where me and bob will go through a different animated film each month we did batman mask of the phantasm last month this month we're doing kiki's delivery service you can hear all of that if you just sign up at the talking simpsons network at patreon.com slash talking simpsons This episode is again another Marge one. That's why Donnick Carey was given it for his first uh, one. Because punishments. A <laughs> uh, new guy, you get the Marge story. And yeah, he just, I do feel bad for Marge that two times in a row Homer takes over <laughs> her episode. When, though Marge gets some fun, but it, by the end of the episode, just like in the Pretzel Wagon one, she's just a bystander to the conclusion of her story. That's but, true. But in this one, like this Mr. Sparkle B plot doesn't like meet with the, the A plot at all. It's yeah. kind of weird. How that the happens. closest it does is the Japanese tourist at the zoo. Like that's, that's as close yeah. as it gets. I feel like they would be better about having more connective tissue or having the stories meet in some way uh, earlier, but I think this is the end of their season and they're very tired. <laughs> Maybe they try to think of some kind of connecting point, then they're like, ah, screw it. <laughs> I, I associate isolated B stories more with like season four, where it's just like, where was the swear jar? Where was the Bart getting mauled by the wolf? It has nothing to do with anything around it. B plots are pretty rare in jo- Bill and Josh episodes. Yeah. yeah. So I, I wonder if they put that in there because they had no, uh, they didn't have enough material for the A plot. I think there's several times especially in the homer b plot where it's just padding like the long phone number gag yes. which is great mm. that also fills a whole minute then the commercial it feels like they jam together like four different commercials just to again fill another minute of the episode which it was a 
all great, but it also does take away from Listen Lady time. Yeah, yeah I think a lot of people forget that this is the Mr. Sparkle episode because mm-hmm. of that. Yeah, I, I kind of forgot <laughs> until because yeah. you just see, when I was planning it out on our schedule, I just see the title, In March We Trust. I don't think it's Mr. Sparkle at all. <laughs> I mean, we'll get into it, but I feel like Marge's story doesn't even have, really have an arc. There's nothing for her to learn. Mm-hmm. Uh, she doesn't really uh, make any mistakes. It could have been handled better, I, even though I love Mr. Sparkle. But mm-hmm. um, I mean, this is still a really funny episode, some really classic stuff in here. But you're right. It is like the Twisted World of Marge Simpson, where it's just like, uh, what's Homer doing? <laughs> Let's check in on him. Well, and also speaking to Feller, this begins with about a minute long Itchy and Scratchy cartoon. That's true. Which they also, Bill and Josh didn't really do all that much itchy and scratchy they appear a lot in their episodes but this feels like a kind of season four well what if we put an itchy and scratchy at the start of this yeah usually bill and josh's episodes were so long that there was never enough time for an itchy and scratchy to begin with I do find it somewhat odd that in this episode that's about Japanese culture, it starts with a nuclear bomb exploding. Oh. I do find that kind of strange. In France. Mm. Well, it is. Yes, it's it is a it's really about France's continued mm. nuclear bomb testings that was happening in French Polynesian colonies up to January 1996. It was very wow, controversial okay. that they were still doing it like they they did them in 95 and 96 right up until an international ban on nuclear weapons testing was codified it felt like france was just like no we still can't we'll blow up all the bombs <laughs> we want fuck you it, it does start with a venda couch couch gag though which is very fitting for a japan-centric episode oh, oh that is true lots of vending machines in japan that's, that's oh man i miss vending machines me every too time I leave. they suck here if you even find a vending machine and by the way good. i always get people going oh don't they sell like used panties and uh, vending machines there it's like no yeah <laughs> that's just a gag only I, new panties <laughs> I <laughs> <That's> know. <right. laughs> no i had to explain that to folks my first trip there where i was like no they really don't mm-hmm. i said if you want to if you want to walk around sancho me in the red light district and try to find one good good luck I, mm-hmm. i'm not <laughs> that's you, up to you guys you like your vacation on purvo island henry <laughs> yeah, i know I, <laughs> this is a cute opening of hiding the uh of the kids Trying to not wake up their parents watching cartoons too early in the morning. I do like that. Uh, I think, though, all of us are non-churchgoers as kids, though, right? Yes. Three of us. But I will say that a lot of this really resonated with me as a kid. So I went to Catholic school. My parents believe in God. They don't really want to spend time in church or praying or anything like that. Just It's sort of a, a Pascal's wager sort of faith where it's just like, I'll believe in God just in case he's real. So yeah, why not? But um, I was talking to Nina about this, and I think I talked to you about this, Henry. When I would go to friends' houses on Saturday nights to sleep over, often I would be taken to church uh, in the morning. That's so wrong. It's super yeah, wrong. It feels pretty wrong. But they're like, yeah, you, you worship this guy. Let's go. <laughs> but uh, I, I identify with this so much. Just uh, also, we went to mass during school, but it was also, um, you know, we would get out of class for that, so it was better than this. But <laughs> I really identified with the idea of how boring church is, how you'd rather be doing anything else. And the relief you feel when it's all over, just all of those emotions, I knew I could never be religious just because it's like, why do I feel so good walking out of church? It's like, <laughs> yes, I can finally move and talk again. We can go to Shoney's. <laughs> uh, the longest amount of time I ever spent in a church was two hours for a rock concert. <laughs> mm. Wow. I uh, probably spent a few hours in it once for like a band recital when I was in middle school band. That was probably Oh, the actually, most yeah. I, I think I did one. like piano recitals at churches when I was younger. Okay. Yeah, that's that's probably the most I ever did. I, my family, I mean, my dad came from a Southern Baptist upbringing. And if you were to, to ask him, are you religious? He would say he believes in God. My mom, not so much. 
but my dad really hates charity, and that <laughs> is what church would have made him do. So, mm. and also we were all lazy. None of us wanted to get up early <laughs> on a Sunday morning. I I never woke up early to watch stuff. I stayed up late and tried <laughs> yeah. to watch it, uh, watch stuff with the volume way down. I think the only times I woke up early to watch stuff was when, for a brief period, Gargoyles was on at like six a.m. in the morning. Like, Why I, so early in the morning? I don't know. Mm. It was my my local syndication place didn't value gargoyles i guess they stuck it early in the morning it was on so early the gargoyles could have watched it (laughs) (laughs) school was way too early too like high school for me i had to wake up at like 6 30 to get there before by 7 30 which is just like that's too cruel to kids that's it doesn't teach them anything so yeah i would sometimes i'd wake up at 6 30 but when it was gargoyles time i actually told my mom like wake me up at six i gotta (laughs) see gargoyles I want to talk a bit about this itchy and scratchy cartoon, actually. It was it was maybe kind of uncomfortable watching this one because mm. one of my my good friends suffered from hyperacoustic shock. Oh, no. Yeah, um, like a few years ago, uh, she was working in a butcher shop and uh, one of the workers slammed something metallic down right next to her <sighs> and it like blew out her ear and she's Oof. had terrible like Oof. tinnitus ever since. Oh, and God. Yeah, so watching this, I'm like, mm. <laughs> this would probably make her uncomfortable oh, watching it. Oh. You know, like it's... N- like stuff like that is not. I don't want to be a bummer or anything, but I'm just like this is not a, not that funny to me anymore. And yeah. like especially since it's a it's a very invisible disease, people mm. don't realize when you know you have tinnitus. And she also has to um, try to explain to doctors just how much how, how much it hurts. Oh, it's God. hard to explain that when it's all in your head. You yeah. yeah, when you can't see it, and people yeah. make the assumption of like, well, yeah, I know what a sound ringing in my ears sounds like. It goes away, mm-hmm. right? Like no, yeah. it's like it's like really painful. She's had to deal with it for years. Oh. Oh, it's uh, your your stuff really gets me. The I it, it does make me cringe just seeing all the ear have pain you, in this. Have the, you seen the inside of an ear? It's crazy. <laughs> Actually, like spirals in there. I was just watching uh, Kaiji. You see the inside of an ear a lot. <laughs> oh, That's why I can't oh, watch I love it. Kaiji. <laughs> I saw that scene. I saw that there was the ear scene in Kaiji. Yeah, it's like I can't. And that's watch not this. even the worst part of the show. Either. Yeah, I love it so much. Me too. Because it makes you squirm. It's too. It to makes human me misery. <laughs> it's a lot of the work to make a big sound. He goes all the way to Polynesia to get yeah. a neutron mm-hmm. bomb explosion, uh, and it's specifically French one as well. <laughs> And uh, yeah, and then Marge jumps up. I think it's kind of a cute joke, uh, the Marge's clothes reveal. I wonder if they counted on people to think like, Marge sleeps in the nude sometimes. Is that why she's mm. holding up her, her yeah. blanket like that? I forgot I what the gag was going to be, but I assume she was nude before the, the gag happened. Oh, they don't, they, that was really like the first four seasons kind of thing. That, mm. that really, I don't think Dave Merkin was into Marge sleeping in the nude as much. They, they stamped that out. I, I actually know someone who goes to sleep wearing what what they're gonna wear the next day? Really? Yeah, uh. I find it really odd. Well, your clothes will be all like crumpled and, stuff. and sweaty. <laughs> yeah, also, care. yeah, that. I, it is very efficient, though. I was saying. <laughs> I I've hated it on like sleepovers as a kid when I had to just put back on the clothes I wore the night before. Yeah, and just, it feels like, gross. <laughs> yuck. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Homer. Homer's laziness in church, he learned nothing from Homer the heretic. He's just back to <laughs> hey, where he was before. That was at least, like, what, three years ago? Four years ago? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe um, him and God had an understanding. <laughs> that's true. He has, yeah. And he was asleep in church at the end of that episode. That's mm. true. Yeah. To it, talk to God. Though, he, Well, that's when God told him he was going to die in six months. Hasn't happened yet. But, but I hope uh, any of our uh, listeners that are religious aren't offended by me, but... I just, I mean, The Simpsons has said it. It's like, it's as boring as church. There's nothing more boring than church. Like, 
church is excruciating for me. I'm glad I've never <laughs> had to go back. It is just... Um, I have never learned to fold paper in so many different ways while sitting through church, <laughs> like making my own arts and crafts projects out of like the little pamphlets they give you. Just like, I can't stand it. You're doing like the, the Citizen Kane thing. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> paper. You know, the, the, the church jokes, some of my favorites I liked in Simpsons history were by Mike Scully, who I think is, I wouldn't say a devout Catholic, but a man of Catholic upbringing who wrote Catholic jokes with Mel Gibson, which like how much more yeah. Catholic can you get? Uh, so I it, it it always felt I liked when they came from him that it felt like he was having fun at the expense of something he uh, believed in. That's why I like about the Scully years church jokes. But this is classic Bill and Josh, just the humor in yes. boringness. And the very same goes for Ezekiel, which brings us back to our starting point: the nine tenets of. Constancy. Damn it! <laughs> well, I seem to have lost my place. So I'll start over. Oh, for the love of crumb cake. Our sermon today is on constancy. And as much as the over by dint of our application of these principles, we can learn emphasis of constancy. Sweet constancy. <laughs> Start clapping. That is a great an animation, just a great head bang from Homer and a a great yelp from Dan too. I just love that. And just realizing you swore in church. It's just like, oh God, no. I I always um I never thought about it before, but I guess he says for the love of crumb cakes because he doesn't want to say for the love of God. Oh yeah. yeah. He's or Christ. He's censoring himself. (laughs) It's it's cute. I should start using crumb cakes more often. Though nine tenets of constancy, to my surprise, is not in the Bible, I don't think. Yeah, I, I looked it up too. It's like made up. It's not even really Religious, I don't think. It's a, yeah, when I searched constancy, it was like a developer's term or something. Yeah, yeah. Or Same art. thing happened to me. Yeah. So I don't know. Hey, any Charlie churches out there yeah. can mm-hmm. correct us on this. But you're right, Henry. I think Oakley and Weinstein are more into the humor of the boring than making fun of religion. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think either one of them is are religious in any real way or come from a no. religious background. I think Matt Groening, too, like, always felt that Lovejoy shouldn't be just an easy pot shot for a guy of like, oh, he's the religious guy, but he actually doesn't believe in anything or we'll have him say profane things. Like, yeah, Merkin would do a lot of that stuff with Lovejoy for sure. <laughs> Yes, yeah, he would just make up passages in the Bible yeah. in, in Merkin years, but this this guy is just one who he does believe, but he also doesn't care like, yeah. at all. <laughs> I wonder what that disco whistle sounds like. I want to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, yes, the kids get home, and I do love this post-church excitement. Josh Weinstein talks about it on the commentary, yeah. too. Like, this is how I feel, too, a lot of times when I get home from work. of just like, pants off. Time to just lays out and eat garbage. Now that I work from home and have for a long time, uh, my pants are always on. <laughs> There's no uh, relief. I wear pajama pants. That's uh, my comfort. I have to put on real pants when I go outside to take my dog for a walk. <laughs> and then I come back in and switch to sweatpants. Uh, yeah, exactly. That's we're all again, we're all work from homers here too. <laughs> uh, but but Don't here's you hate pants. Here's the <laughs> but here's the excitement we can only dream of now. Yay! Oh, man, am I glad you got here. 
Hey, calm down. You're wrinkling your church clothes. Who cares? This is the best part of the week. It's the longest possible time before my church. Church shouldn't be a chore. It should help you in your daily life. It should, but it doesn't. Now, who's going with Daddy to the dump? Me! Me! me. The dump? Yeah, we're going to get rid of the Christmas tree. It's starting to turn brown. Want to come with? No, no, I don't feel like going to a trash pile today. <laughs> your life. We'll bring you back something nice. <laughs> There's a present for Grandpa underneath the tree. It's very hard to read that tag. It's a cute little joke, real yeah. fast. I, uh, that's why my family didn't have live trees. We would never get rid of them. We just uh, we always had a plastic tree. Much easier. Just... Yeah, same. I have Christmas tree opinions, and <laughs> I think live trees are wasteful. Mm. And I'm I, I don't like the way they smell. I know that's like a plus for most people, but I don't like the way um, they stink up the the house <laughs> with the it's awful pine smell and. Uh, yeah, I also grew up with an artificial tree. I don't have one right now because I live in an apartment with not much room. But mm-hmm. if I ever move out and move to a, b- a bigger place, then I would definitely get an artificial tree. And I want to make it artificial as hell. Like, <laughs> I want it like black or hot pink. That's fun to me. I yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've known people that have had real trees, and most people growing up didn't, just mm-hmm. because they were, I guess they were kind of pricey. And so if you didn't have to buy one, it would be better. But they just would just get shit everywhere mm-hmm. just needles everywhere and you'd be finding them in the carpet and in your socks and stuff months <laughs> later yeah you know my uh actually now my stepdad he is a real tree believer and so <laughs> uh, it's been weird to go home for christmas now. Oh, i know i <laughs> trees up like my mom <laughs> tree baptism my mom was a fake tree person but now fake they tree. have a now your mom a is a fake tree person <laughs> wow what was that like is that uh, like from lord of the rings <laughs> no it's the radiohead song i can see the appeal on a small level but to live with it also the the trees are about the lights and ornaments to me and i feel like mm-hmm. a fake tree it, it holds them up better you can count on them mm-hmm. being better at holding up ornaments and lights which is what it's really about i've never decorated a, a real tree before but it seems hard right yeah stuff would fall off and then on top yeah. of that if you have pets your pets are going to oh, tear yeah, it apart yeah. way more than a fake tree and what are you supposed to do with it afterwards? I don't know how you were supposed to dispose of a tree. Oh, actually, my brother, for the him and his friends for about five years straight, starting from like age 18 to 23, my brother and his friends would just go around Jacksonville, Florida, collecting as many trees as they could and take them all to this friend of theirs, rich friend, had a beach house, and they just put them all on the beach, and they would have a giant New Year's Day tree bonfire of all the thrown-out trees. That sounds like a lot of fun. It was a good time. It was Otherwise, you just leave it by the dump, or you just leave it by the curb, and the uh, takes course. people take it for it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've never even had to go to the dump. The closest I did was when I moved out of my old place, uh, which was a hoarder trap. I, <laughs> I just paid the... I had these people who might have been meth heads, but they were very nice movers. They were industrious methods. Well, so the professional move is I hired the junior guy there was like, hey, you know, me and my girlfriend can just clean out the rest of this stuff and take it to the dump for you. And I thought, well, this feels somewhat sketchy, but... Hey, Crystal, get in here. <laughs> she basically was a Crystal type. Uh, it did feel somewhat sketchy, but uh, they did 
clean out my entire apartment for four hundred dollars. Which hey, nice. And they and they got to just steal my things that I was like, these are garbage anyway. So hey, take this stuff. If you can sell for more money than I was going to throw it away, go right in. They were swimming in hero clicks. <laughs> they were. <laughs> and my old PlayStation Two. I'm like, I'm never going to play this PS Two again. Just take it. The memories are gone. <laughs> well, good on Homer for actually taking the tree to the dump then, instead yeah. of just uh, like dumping it in Flanders' yard or something. Yeah. This well, is the not- initiative was him getting treasure from the dump. Too. Oh, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, Homer would have dealt with that pig crap silo better if he'd been told to go to the ju- dump and find uh, garbage treasure. But, but then there wouldn't so. be a great movie. <laughs> it's true. okay. It's okay. Have you ever gone dumpster typing? No, no, I have not. Me neither. <laughs> I have not. I've not gotten that desperate yet. <laughs> uh, when I worked at a video store, I had a coworker who did. They were, you know, kind of uh, slumming it cheaply, though. They came from like, they were like college kids who were living cheap, though, had kind of a they had a, they had parents they could fall back on, but they were enjoying being poor. And so they found out that like a friend of theirs worked at a Panera Bread, and that they would just throw out dough. And so the garbage can would have dough that would basically expand out of the garbage can. And they're like, if we just take the dough from the center, that's not dirty. <laughs> that's still good dough. And then we can just bake our own bread with it. And that's what they did. Huh. Well, flour is so expensive. And water. <laughs> yeah. Don't get me started. The only dumpster diving I do is in Stardew Valley. Oh, really? Oh, true, yeah, you go yeah. through trash bins and find oh. some amazing things like uh, like cookies. <laughs> <laughs> I still haven't played that game. I know I'll play it for 800 hours. That's why I haven't touched it. <laughs> it's on mobile now. On mobile, too? Yeah. yeah. Apparently, I, it's a good version. Mm-hmm. I mean, they got the Switch version out. That's all that matters mm. to me now. That's that's the way to play it. Unless your Switch gets stolen. <laughs> <laughs> is, is yours new on the way one yet? Uh, I haven't ordered one yet. Oh, uh, you missed out on Cyber Monday deals uh, for it. It's fine. It's fine. The wounds are still fresh. <laughs> uh, but so, anyways, they go off to the dump. Marge volunteers. Can you believe it? They give you five cues and only two use. What a world. It's crazy. (laughs) So, what's on your mind, Marge? Sermons about constancy and prudicitude are all very well and good, but the church could be doing so much more to reach out to people. Oh, I don't see you volunteering to make things better. Well, okay. I will volunteer. I wasn't prepared for that. (laughs) The uh, the cues and use thing, I I have felt that pain of uh, actually that just kind of happened with uh, at our wedding reception. Darren got a wedding gift of like make your own sign thing. There's no six in Gilbert. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> it did run out of letters. Like we not cues and use, but the same thing where you're just like, how could you get go so short? Uh, that's one thing. Just give us five more letters. Would it kill you? One thing I realized upon this viewing is that prudicitude is not a real word. Yeah, I it, had to look that up too. I was like, wait, this isn't a thing. It's a, it's a it nice... so real. It, I think it sounds too real that it didn't become <laughs> like cromulent. And it also sounds too close to something like prudishness. I had mm. assumed that's what it's referring to, the jo- the quality of being prudish. Like, that's that's what I figure prudicitude prudicitude means. So I guess most people haven't realized that it is a fake word thing because it sounds too real. Yeah. Exactly. I've never heard anyone pull it out. It's like, here are all the words the Simpsons made up. I, that's never really appeared to my knowledge. <laughs> and uh, I do, I love a good Marge small talk the way she was like, it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that's so cute. 
like just Marge awkwardness is some of the her best comedy, and I think they they take that for granted too much. They need to do more of that with Marge, I think, and and her also meeting Lovejoy's challenge. Like he apparently no no one has ever helped him ever with, mm-hmm. with volunteering before. You would never think of Marge and Lovejoy making a good good team, but I, I like yeah. all of the scenes with them. You would think that Ned would have offered. Maybe he's told Ned many times, like, "I don't want your help," or "We don't mm-hmm. take volunteers." Or I don't think he wants excuse. to be around Ned. Absolutely mm-hmm. not. No, that's true. Though Ned was, he was staying in the church basement after the hurricane. That mm-hmm. uh, that's when he was hanging out there. But oh, is it the same set? Oh yeah, that's I wonder. Right. It is the I same wonder. Church I bet basement. it is. Yeah. yeah. I totally wow. forgot about that. Yeah, Hurricane yeah, Eddie. <laughs> I love when he answers the phone with church basement. <laughs> uh, but so the kids go to the dump. There's a cute no littering sign in front of the dump. I like that joke. There's a couple side jokes in here I didn't really catch until this uh, until this viewing. I just feel itchy seeing Bart buried in all those brown pine needles. That's just <laughs> disgusting. I-, I love how Homer is trying to get the tree out the, the least efficient way possible. He doesn't even <laughs> open the door. <laughs> and how do you get it in there in the first place, too? There's also lots of very good foley and all the walking on the garbage. Lots of squishy foley. They're oh. all they're all mm-hmm. filthy. They're all just covered in filth. If I were to think of what it sounds like for a raccoon to come out of half of an old <laughs> ba- basketball, this would be it. That would yeah. be the sound. When Homer falls in the dump, when that raccoon attacks him, I'm like, he just needs to shower for days now. <laughs> when they put their hands just in the goop I'm like yeah. what are you doing I will say whenever I have to draw a giant pile of trash it's fun but it's also hard because it's fun because I get to draw anything I want mm-hmm. but the hard part is like thinking of what goes into like a trash pile like yeah. what kind of things do people throw away yeah all the different treatise on top of each other and then it has to look dirty too mm-hmm. like oh yeah. it's, it's not like drawing it's not like drawing a grocery bag where you just have a baguette sticking out of it exactly and yeah. everyone buys baguettes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that's actually a thing you see in France a lot by the way like mm-hmm. cartoonishly bag like baguettes sticking out of people's uh, bags when I first moved here, my roommate, she did buy baguettes at the grocery store. I was like, this is this is like a cartoon here. What are you doing? Baguettes. Like she just liked she didn't like having regular bread, but she would like a regular sandwich, but she would just cut off a piece and then put like cheese on it or whatever. I never that. buy baguettes because like they're good for approximately one or two days and yes. then it goes rock hard. Yeah, they just turn green. <laughs> I need that heavily processed bread that lasts forever. Like because it's on my fridge right now. <laughs> Mostly bleach. Uh, but yes, here's here's them looking. They're going to need some bleach after going <laughs> to the dump here. <laughs> I found a Malibu Stacy with no head. <laughs> oh my God! Lisa, Dad, come here quick. There is something that you won't believe. What the heck is that? Maybe it's a box from the future. It looks Japanese. <laughs> What's going on? Why am I on a Japanese box? Which, which looks? Oh my God! What is that? <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, we have to tell people, again, if you're a younger person, this is pre-internet, you can't just look up Mr. Sparkle, mm-hmm. you know, you can't use your phone to translate the box. I love Homer's reaction so much. He's just at a loss <laughs> for words. He's just whimpering and whining. It reminds me of when he's stuck in 3D space, kind of similar to, he's just like, oh. yeah. <laughs> okay, so I got to talk about the design. Oh, yeah, yeah please Sparkle do, box. please do. It drives me crazy because it's wrong. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the Japanese is wrong, just slightly wrong. They were so close to getting it right. The Handakuten is missing on it. The Handakuten is like a little diacritic sign you use on Japanese kana to indicate how to pronounce that oh. character. So like uh, Dakuten 
is like the two little lines you see on top of uh, certain characters. Right, and the right. Handakuten is a little circle you see. Yeah, yeah. So, I always think of that as the P circle. That's what I told myself when I was <laughs> Yeah, so if, if you look at Bakoru part, like mm-hmm. the Ha with the little circle, like Ha with a Dakuten, the two little lines makes it Ba. Ha with a Handakuten, the circle makes it Pa. So it's Bakoru. And he sa- he's saying uh, Pawa clean. Oh, that's... In the little speech bubble? Yes, But okay. the circle is missing, so he's saying hawa clean. <laughs> yeah, that's... And it's wrong. That's what I was going to ask you. I thought it really like, why does it read hawa? Is it, like, supposed to be high clean? Is, yeah. I guess, like, the, the artist must have missed that somehow. This is a very yeah. common mistake if you don't know Japanese. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow. And uh, you see it in tattoos, too. And it's like, it nuts. Uh, so, like, even though I love Mr. Sparkle, I've never owned a single p- p- piece of merchandise for it because <laughs> that... That mistake drives me nuts. I do it correctly. It has to be a mistake, though, if you're making it look like it's it looks off in the model. show. Yeah, it's off model. I've seen um, like puns in Japanese use that uh, the missing diacritical marks to make a pun. You know, as like a typo or something like that. Huh. Like in uh, Final Fantasy, it's a joke that only works in Japanese. But the fake version of the Excalibur, um, it is it is the word Excalibur in Japanese, but the ba. Is missing the the mark you need, mm-hmm. so oh, it's just like you you got the crappy version of the Excalibur oh, because there's it's a typo. Excaliha. Yeah, Excaliha. <laughs> That's cute. Yeah, in English I think it's called like Excalipore. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. Wow. I ne- okay. I I forgot you mentioned that before. Yeah, his word balloon is just off. The, mm-hmm. So the, I would love to own some Mr. Sparkle <laughs> stuff, but it's always wrong. And if you get a T-shirt, you, you have to add that mark yourself. Oh, like a sharpie marker. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, about that T-shirt, by the way. Um. Like it's it's always been a thing where people go to Japan and find funny uh, quote unquote English uh, T-shirts. Mm-hmm. They're like, "Haha, look at this! This is this is wrong. This is funny." Well, I've seen the opposite of that. When I s- looked up Mr. Sparkle in Japanese Google, I saw I saw um, like blog posts by people saying like, "I went to America and I found this weird T-shirt <laughs> with something that looks like Homer <laughs> and it has Japanese on it, but it's wrong Japanese. What is this?" Wow! Wow! The, the reverse Mr. Sparkle happened to these people. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. I had a Mr. Sparkle t-shirt. I think we, did we I all did have too. it too. I yeah. Too. I, got I wish I had one. Oh, I mean I used to like I didn't 15 know years wrong. ago. <laughs> yeah, that's the only that's the only reason why I haven't uh I haven't gotten that t-shirt. And um, I have a a short story about that t-shirt by the way. When I was in San Diego Comic-Con in 2009, uh, I was there to attend the Eisner Award ceremony and I was at the Bongo booth for a bit like signing uh signing comic books. Um, I'm a pencil. I was a penciler for Bongo Comics, by the way. In case people don't know who I oh, am. Oh yeah, that's true. We did. Yeah, and so you were only you were only attending the Eisner Awards. You didn't win anything. <laughs> oh yeah, I won an Eisner too. Okay, yeah, um, <laughs> not a big deal. No big deal. No, it's just an Eisner. It's only one of the, the biggest in the tree awards. Yeah, <laughs> um, just that. So I was there, and Bill Morrison was there uh, drawing uh, characters for people. And at one point, someone requested Mr. Sparkle, and he doesn't know offhand what Mr. Sparkle looks like. It's just a one-shot character, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, my art director at the time, Jason, he I was there, so he was like, you know, do you know how to draw Mr. Sparkle? And <laughs> e- even I didn't know how to draw it like, from memory. I was like, uh, and then at that moment, I saw a woman passing, uh, walking past wearing a <sighs> Mr. Sparkle shirt. Wow. I was like, oh, there's reference right there, right there. And so, like, uh, my art director called her over, and she stood there while Bill Morrison drew Mr. Sparkle for this mm. uh, this fan, and I took a picture of that. Oh, that's so That's what cool. I sent to you guys um, yesterday. I remember that. Yeah, wow, that is so that is so funny. Just imagine, out of all the, like, the needle in the haystack, or, mm-hmm. or I guess really like a needle in a stack of needles, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I, wow. I think the woman wearing the, wearing the shirt was kind of uh, amused by this, too. <laughs> that's, like, oh, I, cool. <laughs> what amazing timing. 
Wow. Mm-hmm. No, that. But yeah, it's I almost like she was planted there. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Sparkle doesn't follow like the rules of drawing Simpsons characters, really. So he's just mm-hmm. like a distorted Homer. So you can't be like, well, I kind of know how to draw like a Simpsons head, and I know what mm-hmm. features are on this character. He's just so, slightly yeah. off. It's such a great design, though. I love, I love it. it. Really is. The fish bulb is great. I. Oh love yeah, it. I love the fish bulb. It's so cute. Anime eyes. And mm-hmm. yeah, his big, his big eyes, his his hair. Just everything about the Mr. giant Sparkle. pupils are yeah. so great. And I was thinking of this because there's a new season of the JoJo Bizarre Adventure anime that I love. In part five, there's a character in it named Mista, mm. and his kind of name is spelled the same as the Mista for Mr. Sparkle. So interesting. That's just, uh, I thought that was a cute uh, lineup there. But uh, I wonder how that detergent box ended up in Springfield, of all places. Maybe uh, a Japanese family in Springfield had it or something like that? I guess. It brought it home with them. Or maybe someone uh, in Springfield called to get a sample of it, you know? (laughs) They're very willing to send over product. Yeah. As a kid, too, this really did get me the... When I saw commercials for this, I was so confused, too, because I didn't know, unlike Lisa, I didn't really know what Japanese writing looked like, especially not... As, as a little kid, I guess I knew what like the curvier lines of like kanji or hiragana look like, but the sharper stuff of katakana really confused me as a kid. I didn't recognize it as Japanese, so it was I was just as confused as the kids watching this episode. Whenever I am published in Japan, my name is written out in katakana, even though I have a Japanese name. Oh wow! Yeah, and I, I, it goes like first name, last name as well, not the Japanese order because <laughs> I'm not. I'm Japanese, but I'm not. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Wow. Yeah. That's actually I'm the... Uh, in, in limbo there. Yeah, actually, that's it with a wrestler. <laughs> People in the uh, listeners don't know, but in this room, I have a wrestler uh, towel up. I stare at uh, that guy, and I don't know who he is, but he looks like buff Tim Heidecker. <laughs> uh, it's, it's Kazuchika Okada, and he's interesting, too, because when he came back, when he got famous there... He started spelling his name in katakana instead of Japanese, even though he's a native of Japan. Oh, really? It was it was just an interesting character choice by him that he spells Okada in a katakana too. But anyway, this is really getting inside <laughs> uh, baseball here. Uh, so meanwhile, Skinner, get, this is a weird moment because Skinner and Lovejoy almost never talk to each other. Yeah, it is weird. <laughs> Their voices are a bit similar, so yeah. I can understand why. Lovejoy here. Reverend, this is Principal Skinner. I'm facing a crisis, and I didn't know to whom to turn. All right. (laughs) Mother's gone too far. She's put cardboard over her half of the television. We rented Man Without a Face. I didn't even know he had a problem. (laughs) What should I do? Well, maybe you should read your Bible. Um, any particular passage? Oh, it's all good. (laughs) All right. Thanks anyway. So yeah, that joke. As much as I love it, it is so sweaty. It's a bit sweaty. Yeah, yeah. it does. I mean, it's so absurd that I like it, but it just uh, someone had that idea for a joke. It's like we have to put this in. This is a very funny joke. But yeah, Man Without a Face. We talked about Mel Gibson no earlier. One remembers this movie? It was his di- directorial debut. Real? Oh, yeah, wow. and it was pure like Oscar bait. Like yes. he played a man who's like. Kind of like a two-faced thing going on. Like, mm-hmm. his face was, like, maimed. Johnny Deform. He's a real Johnny Deform. <laughs> have you seen it? Uh, I have not seen it. No, I know it's a sad ending. It's be- Well, this was the thing in Mel Gibson uh, movies. He's really into uh, suffering and filming the suffering of people. And so, usually his own. And that was the case in all of his directed films, especially. Like, that's... Apocalypto was the first film he had done where the lead character didn't die at the end of it. Like, that's the... He, 
all the other ones, a lead character gets murdered. Spoilers for Passion of the Christ. Mm. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Do you know about the, the novel it was based on? No. Okay, so yeah, Man Without a Face was based on an Isabel Holland 1972 novel. And uh, apparently the novel makes certain implications about the uh, the man and the boy's relationship. Whoa. Uh, which Gibson did not like at all. But the movie script does not do that at all, which is why he took it on. Wow. What? So in the movie, he does befriend a young boy. That's what I remember. Yeah. It was so like pure, just Oscar bait, like well, Garbo. But wow. I, in I'm the novel, sh- uh, he does more than that. <laughs> I am shocked Mel Gibson would take on something like that and then mm-hmm. just to excise it. I feel like he'd want to be even clear of something that had that to be cut exactly. out. Exactly. Right? Like, I just would not you know touch that project yeah with a 10 foot pole exactly <laughs> even, if they, even if they took it out yeah no that's a ew, boy yeah. that's like that's like a powder situation man <laughs> I, I feel like there could have been a better joke than skinner just going well uh goodbye <laughs> yeah, I it, feels, like- it feels like so uh it feels really flat i don't know just something there could have been like another joke about mother or um, or agnes yelling at him in the yeah background. or just like uh, what his solution will be you know i do like the reality of him how real it feels of just somebody going up, giving up of like, yeah. All right. Like just, I've been, I've been like that uh, as recently as last week when I went to the post office and got no help. And mm. the person who's supposed to help you just gives you nothing. And you just kind of stare at them of like, you're nothing more, huh? Society right. doesn't work. <laughs> yep. You just like, yep, I guess it doesn't work. All right. You just, it, that felt very real to me. So I did like that. Yeah. Yeah. I just want more jokes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this Marge castigates him for not caring and how he does stop caring entirely. And this speech he has really spoke to me when I worked at the content mills of websites because mm. I had this kind of speech in my head when. <laughs> At least three times they hired fresh faced young people like writing about video games. Oh boy. They arrive listening to the Doobie Brothers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I want to tell them like you soon you'll be like me. <laughs> this 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 will all your enthusiasm for this will be ground out of you by video game websites <laughs> and the demands of them. I like how specifically this is set in the seventies and what a cool guy like the cool minister Reverend uh, Lovejoy was back in the 70s. And you also see the origins of his clock. <laughs> yes, yeah. That, was it decoupage? Whatever that clock is supposed I to be. I love that clock. Yeah. No, it's references. a really, really good design. <laughs> it was the mid-70s, and I was fresh out of seminary. Same. The 60s were long over, and people were once again ready to feel bad about themselves. <laughs> I came to Springfield ready to roll up my sleeves and help my fellow man. There was just one fellow man I hadn't counted on. Reverend, I'm, a, I'm afraid something terrible has happened. Well, sit down and rap with me, brother. That's what I'm here for. Well, I was talking to doing a dance called The Bump, but my hip slipped and my, my buttocks came into contact with the buttocks of another young man. I... See, <laughs> then the calls began. Well, I, I think I may be coveting my own wife. I'm meek, but I could probably stand to be meeker. <laughs> I, I think I swallowed a toothpick. Finally, I just stopped caring. Luckily, by then, it was the 80s. <laughs> no one noticed. 
I, I really like his summation of all the decades. Yes, yeah. Sixties, you feel good. Seventies, you feel bad. Eighties, you don't care. <laughs> so you're just dead inside. Yeah. I like that. This is the origin of Reverend Lovejoy's uh, eyelids. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah Sleepy eyelids. That's, oh my god, that's right. They change his like character design, and uh, it's like Harry is doing a lot of talking to himself. Harry Shearer in this episode, mm-hmm. which is always fun. It is very noticeable with Skinner. It's never been noticeable with Ned because Ned is a very different voice. I think he gets Reverend Lovejoy even sleepier than usual in this episode too, just to differentiate him more. But the the I think coveting my own wife is my favorite of those mm. lines. I'm surprised that he danced at all. Yeah, well, he said he got pressured into doing it by someone else. Yeah, so oh, he, he yeah. would. He, he might have had a white wine spritzer. <laughs> <laughs> that was his or uh, raspberry schnapps. Yeah, one of those two. Does his um, apparent age? In these flashback match up with the fact it, that he's a senior citizen. It does not match with no. him being sixty. Mm. Well, if he's sixty in the nineties, but he still looks the way he does, it is presumable that when he was forty in the seventies, he'd look the same, perhaps. Mm. But uh, but also this this is still in the Bill and Josh era where he was a child in the early sixties or late fifties. So I'm gonna I'm gonna stick stick with that until we get to Viva Ned Vegas. Yeah, and that I don't think that can is stuck around of Ned being that old. Really, eh, I think so. I th- hmm. Also, in the commentary, I wish they kept in the scene that it was Jasper who hands over the church to him. It's it was Jasper was the old reverend there. And he hands over the keys to Lovejoy. That is was that a deleted scene, or is that just something they wrote and never animated? They said it was in the script. Okay. So, yeah. I kind of wish they'd kept that. That mm-hmm. would be an extra background to Jasper that I would have really appreciated. It just, all this time, we've seen this weirdo one-legged man who, who with his giant beard, who uh-huh. likes a paddling. Take it over my church, that's a paddling. <laughs> Has there been a J- Jasper-centric episode? Hmm, boy. I'm going to say some there has I'm to I'm going to ask this about every single character, by the <laughs> way. Has there been a uh, Mrs. Glick episode? <laughs> well, that one I mean, there's one episode. $90. There's one episode that talks, uh, that shows the origins of the crazy cat lady. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that she she wasn't so crazy at one time. She has a name. We actually uh, we played a, a Simpsons trivia game not oh, too yeah. long ago. And it's just like, we learned that all these characters have names they gave them over time. Uh, yeah, it was like the 25th anniversary uh, special like fan-made edition of see, Trivial Pursuit Simpsons. Yeah, that's why I d- didn't buy those Trivial Pursuit games a lot because I knew they would be about gay they would be questions after season 10, which just doesn't feel fair. Yeah, um and, and you collect character cards and every time we we drew a card we'd be like, "What? This character has a name? What is this?" <laughs> that's Jeff Albertson. <laughs> I would rather play the se- the one that was made in season 1 where you just uh, get questions like Who's Mr. Uh, Largo? (laughs) That'd be tough. Oh, we we forgot to mention how we actually did Simpsons Trivia Night. Um, Me and Bob did Simpsons Trivia Night in Vancouver while he was visiting. Yeah. And we got demolished. We got... (laughs) owned Ooh, hardcore that's what i've been terrified it was tough it. it was really yeah. tough and there were some answers that we were just like oh we should know this we should know this but we just forgot it was on the tip of our brains it was driving us crazy there were really hard questions too like in uh, simpson and delilah what is the the mantra or mantra carl teaches homer and the only part of it i remember was i am nature's greatest miracle oh, but there are two gosh. things before that oh mm-hmm. no yeah, i so, couldn't like, get that either things that specific they were asking and also like which which, which pets in the Springfield Cemetery voted for Sideshow Bob? Oh, yeah. And we can remember Humphrey Bogart, mm-hmm. <laughs> Snowball won. Uh, but we but couldn't remember Mr. and Mrs. Mrs. Bananas. Bananas. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Okay, wait. I deserve this. I 
worth it. No, fuck. <laughs> nope, you're not going to get it. Uh, okay, it's I deserve this. I... Yeah. yeah, you're yeah. close. You you're should, close. You should come to Vancouver sometime and do some <laughs> trivia and That's feel only, ashamed. It's the only <laughs> place it happens. <laughs> uh, we <laughs> Shout outs to the organizers who listened uh, to this oh, podcast. Oh, okay, yeah. Hey, uh, you know, now I'm afraid to go there and be ashamed as well. You should have let me win. <laughs> <laughs> you should have given, just pretended that you guys got every question right and given you the award. Uh, but so we get to hear why Lovejoy doesn't care. And once he's done with that story, he just runs away from his phone. And I love this call from Mo because it, it implies that Mo has called him before and has been told to kill himself. <laughs> by Lovejoy, or at least pushed in that direction. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, hi, I'm calling for Reverend Lovejoy. H- who is this? Oh, well, this is, um, the, uh, the listen lady. Yeah, well, listen lady. <laughs> I got so many problems, I-, I don't even know where to begin here. Okay. Uh, why don't you start from the top? All righty. Uh, number one, I've lost the will to live. Oh, that's ridiculous, Mo. You've got lots to live for. Really? That's not what Reverend Lovejoy's been telling me. <laughs> wow, you're good, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> Hi, it's me again. I got another problem. Uh, this one's about my cat. <laughs> yeah, shut up! I'm asking her! It's got to be a person doing a cat noise, right? It's like, is that Dan Kessler? Oh, yeah, I think so. Well, Frank Welker does the baboons oh. in this episode, so maybe oh, he did that too. It's got to be him then, definitely. Well, here's a Simpsons trivia question for you. What is the name of Moe's cat? Oh. It comes up in an episode. Oh, right. Damn it. Because he he remembers it, and then he says, he's, fuck, mm. uh, I can't remember. Bob? I don't know. <laughs> uh, it's Mr. Snookums. Oh, right. okay. It comes up in Simpsons Tide. That's oh, right. you're right. Okay, that's right. But we are what? really... I love my cat. <laughs> <laughs> we are really in the uh, Mo suicide joke era, in yeah. the sad Mo era. It started with, I mean, Moe's always been sad, but Homer's phobia had, you know, suicide again for me, yes. and uh, Love Man at Grandpa said, I'm so desperately lonely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're in suicide town. I mean, once, <laughs> once Dana Gould enters the show, it's all suicide oh, jokes God. for Mo. <laughs> yes, yeah. Though, I mean, before Dana Gould joined was one of the darkest jokes ever of no oh, funeral. Oh, the no funeral, yeah. Oh, yeah. He just, yeah, he started, the train was already moving he just poured more dogs into the engine <laughs> <laughs> but they kind of stop with those jokes with him at a certain point right yeah yeah I think, they, I think they realize like as much as we i as a person who suffer from depression i i love a good suicide joke but they're kind of dark and could be you know yeah. a bit much for some people to deal with i don't think they're as funny anymore uh yeah but they were funny at the time because we were more naive but uh, yeah. i don't think these are the kind of jokes that we'd make today Probably not. Yeah. No, I don't think so. And the uh, I was going to say, Moe's cat has to be dead. But if he's remembering it later, I, I got to think that cat has been like eaten by the rats who live <laughs> at the bar. Those aren't your rats. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so we get a quick scene to... This is the one scene where their things intersect because Marge is talking about Listen Lady while Homer stares <laughs> at his garbage box. Yeah. And... Uh, the the spaghetti looks nice. It's a very simple family dinner, but it's a cute. It's it's well drawn spaghetti, not not purple globs of food as as sometimes Simpsons eat. And it kind of ends on a another flat joke where you know I think it is like what if someone is watching us right now? And mm. it just I feel like there should be something more there, you know, <laughs> other than like yeah we're watching a TV show. It it is kind of clever, but also I, I think they've done better versions of that joke before. Yeah, though I like well I do like Marge proclaiming no one's watching us, which yeah. would seem to be them. Kind 
kind of saying this show's unpopular <laughs> or something. It's it's them kind of uh, being ne- uh, self-deprecating. This joke was also another way to fill some time. Yes, yeah, really stretching true. it out this episode. It is a bit. There's a bit of padding, I have to say. Yeah, there's no McBain. They don't watch McBain. That's another <laughs> classic uh, padding. But so they head to the uh, the Happy Sumo last scene in Black Widower when they sang karaoke together. Wow, it's been that long again. Another season three poll from Bill and Josh. <laughs> it is, yeah, and. Uh, we get Akira, who obviously named after Akira Kurosawa, first voiced by George Takei, and uh, I said it right, right? Yeah, yeah yes, okay. okay. God, I, I get so in my head about it. <laughs> but uh, anyway, yeah, I'm and, listening and judging. <laughs> <laughs> but this time it's Hank Azaria uh, doing it, as he did every other time Akira came back. Hi, 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 bye, hi, Akira. Can you read this for me? Ah, yes, this is a product called Mr. Sparker. Very popular dish detergent. Hey, he looks like you. <laughs> What's he saying? He identifies himself as a magnet for foodstuffs. He boasts that he will banish dirt to the land of wind and ghosts. Wow! Yes, you have very lucky dishes, Mr. Simpson. This soap is from the sacred forest of Hokkaido, renowned for its countless soap factories. <laughs> Hokkaido, eh? <laughs> That's great. Uh, Nina made me aware recently of a, a popular children's character in Japan that oh, is yes. a ghost. <laughs> he does and come banish, from ghost. <laughs> he banishes children to the land of wind and ghosts. Wait, what? Yeah, uh, there's this very, very popular children's book in Japan, um, published in 1969, I believe. It's called like, Who's Still Awake? And it's a, uh, it's a very, very simple uh, storybook about a, a ghost who finds children who are still awake past nine and takes them away to the land of ghosts. <gasps> and it traumatized oh. me as a kid. Oh, jeez. So I, I just, I came back from a two-week-long trip to Japan just recently, like just last month, actually. And uh, I forgot to take a, a hat with me. I, I wear hats all the time. Mm. So I was like, I'll just look for a cool hat in Japan. And I came across one right away that had that ghost oh. on it. I was like, oh, it's that ghost that traumatized me when I was little. So I bought it. And everywhere I went, it was a great icebreaker because people would be people. like, oh, it's that ghost. Oh, my uh, God. That uh, book is so scary. Wow. Oh, that's so cool. Wow, I've never, never heard of that ghost story. Yeah. Know? So like, when I saw this for the first time, uh, this episode, and he said, the land of wind and ghosts, I was like, ah, oh, ghost land. <laughs> just like that storybook. It's just to scare kids to go to bed on time, I mm-hmm. guess. And like, it works, apparently. If you go to like uh, Amazon Japan, you look at the reviews you'll see reviews like oh, this book worked perfectly my kid always goes to bed at night now <laughs> wow so That's... scare your kids into submission people but you said there really was, there's a whole line of these and one of them is just like come bathe with me yes. or whatever <laughs> yeah i don't the know ghost, what that was about <laughs> the oh. ghost wants you to take a bath with him yeah yeah this this ghost leads a full life that i never <laughs> knew about <laughs> wow ghostly submission such interesting lives <laughs> i like the high joke it but just because i've i've done interviews um, with Japanese game developers, and it's where I caught on to the verbal tick of just like going like just mm-hmm. yes, yes, or hi, hi, as as you're listening, just to I guess is as a politeness thing of showing like I'm listening, yes, mm-hmm. yes. But so then I kind of in those interviews I would fall into doing it too, and they would reply, I would also just nod and be like 
Yes, yes. Even yeah. though I didn't really understand them. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, just because you're listening to someone speak a language and you're waiting for the translation, you just like make eye contact and nod your yeah. head it, and be it, like, "Yeah." It would be rude otherwise to be like, "I'm looking only at the yeah. translator." What's you're going on my phone. <laughs> yeah, whenever I go to Japan, and I, that's where I where I get to speak uh, Japanese all the time, which is fun, and I, I do have to say hi a lot, a lot. And uh, is there a, an English term for like little little sounds that you make when listening yeah, to people? It's what called it back called? channel. Back channel. Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. Because I had to translate that word once. Like I also, I also do um, in, uh, Japanese to English translation sometimes. Like I did the subtitles for Game Center CX collection. Ooh, those here. are great. I yeah. love those. And I translated um, Mercenary Kings from English to Japanese. Oh wow! Uh, I, I don't. I, I do more Japanese to English and the other way around. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I had to translate that word once, and I couldn't find a term, the English term for it. Wow! And now I not heard that term back channel before. Yeah, that makes sense. I went to a lot of college. <laughs> Why is it called back channel? Uh, because I mean, I just think it's just, uh, in the background and it's just a way to let the listener know that, sorry, let the speaker know that you're still listening. It's just a way to like, let them understand that you're listening to what they're saying. And it doesn't matter what words you're saying, but usually in the language, there'll be some way like, hi, 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 Mm -hmm. or like, "Mm -hmm, yeah, uh uh-huh. But, uh, I think... It happens a lot. Um, I've heard from from professors like when um, Japanese students come to America a lot of the time, they will uh, they will translate their back channel and be like yes yes yeah like that, and mm. people will think mm. that uh, the speaker will think they're being agreed with. Oh, oh yeah, okay, okay, I can see that happening. That's really interesting. Though. Yeah, so that's how misinformation kind of spreads on stuff. Of mm-hmm. Japan. Wow, yeah. that's amazing. Okay. No, that's really cool. <laughs> that was a, a cute little joke of hi, 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 bye. <laughs> they don't really say bye in Japan. They say bye-bye. Oh, okay. I, I, I wondered, I know in a, one anime I like, I've heard characters go like, bye-bye. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. That but you too. wouldn't say hi to greet somebody at a restaurant. Uh you wouldn't. But I guess he switched to English there. Yeah, mm. did a quick code switch. Ah, that's <laughs> right. Okay, so that was English. Never mind. <laughs> mm. I and I also like too that felt like a good use of Simpsons history. That the only place that they would know to speak to somebody who could translate Japanese for them is the one sushi place that also Homer could never forget because it almost killed him. Yeah. <laughs> oh. He should be having like PTSD going back through those doors. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I don't think um, Akira was meant to be saying hi as in hello. I think he was just like acknowledging them and going hi. Okay. I can serve you now. Also, Hokkaido. I've never been there. I've uh, When I've been to, I've done like six two week long vacations to Japan and I love it every time it's one of my favorite places to vacation but I normally stick to the big cities of Tokyo Kyoto or uh, Osaka and so I've never been to any of the south or northern <laughs> islands like uh, Hokkaido. Yeah, Hokkaido is the the giant uh, island to the north of Japan, by the way, in case people don't know. And they're not known for their soap factories. <laughs> they're known for their, their dairy snow and mm. uh, miso ramen. Um, I've actually never been there. Uh, every time I see pictures of it, it looks very North American compared to the rest of Japan. And Sapporo is the biggest city there, which is the name of the popular beer, beer in America. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I was thinking of the Sapporo ramen. Oh, ramen. oh, yeah, I had that too yeah <laughs> when the- i went to japan it was uh, only once in the uh, last summer and it was tokyo and i had a lot of fun but some people told me when i got back i was like if you just went to tokyo you didn't, you didn't go to japan it's like oh, oh whatever. whatever i went to japan <laughs> 
I needed a passport. There's a lot. There's lots to see in Tokyo. So huge. Yeah. Two weeks in Tokyo, you'll you could go to a different just prefecture the uh, the entire time. Stay on the same street. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's so full of stuff. Like, Mm. yeah. That's I. I hate that. I've heard that from some judgmental other tourists too. Like, you didn't see real Tokyo like me. Like, fuck you. I ate cocoa curry. It was great. (laughs) Mm. You know what? Whenever I go to Japan, I prefer to stick to big cities and shop and eat. I'll go to like, I don't know, a temple or two, but I, I mostly go there for the shopping and eating. That was on my trips too, that, well, I am a city person as opposed to a small town person. So that's what I, Tokyo is the biggest city fucking ever. So <laughs> you just get to enjoy the city and the shopping. And that's why like when I went to Osaka too, it was like, uh, let's go to the shopping district first and buy food. Also the eating too. And then when I went to Kyoto, it was just like food, but then there's so many temples there. I was like, well, I better go to temples. So I went to the Inari Gates and a couple other temples mm. there just to do it. Aren't the Inari Gates like super packed full of tourists? This one wasn't so packed, but it was uh, It was a wet day in November there. But uh, it was nice. I It was quite a hike. I'm not much of a hiker, but I, I did the whole thing. It was fun. It was fun. But the uh, And now anytime I see the Inari Gates put in an anime, I can just point and tell my husband, like, I've been there. I've been there. <laughs> I went there in Star Fox. <laughs> I hope you say it in that voice too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but so, uh, meanwhile, the listen lady is given some advice. See, all along I've been telling Carl I'm married to a beauty queen. Mm. Now he's coming over for dinner. Mm, Lenny, I'm sure he'll like your wife no matter what she looks like. No, 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 no. It's worse than that. I don't even have a wife. I just said I did to, you know, be a big shot. <sighs> well. It's time to start telling the truth. Now, when I have to tell my husband the truth, I cook him a big, delicious dinner. By the time he's done eating, he's too full and tired to care what I have to say. Wow, that's great. When Carl comes over, I'll stuff him till he don't know what's what. (laughs) (laughs) Seymour, I'm getting tired. Tell them we're going next. Well, I'm not principal of the line, mother. And you never will be. <laughs> it, it strikes me that all the people that need help for Marge are Harry Shearer characters. It's true. Except for Captain McAllister. <laughs> They're very desperate Harry <laughs> Shearer characters. The uh, This is when it officially resets Lenny to being single and uh, very sad. Mm. This is They make everybody sadder. Like, cause he'd, I mean, the last time we saw him with a woman was when Homer calls him and uh, he, he's being told shave up, stupid. Like that was that was the last time he was seen as a woman. And then he had a pretty nice house in uh, Springfield uh, Connection. Yeah. Oh yeah, he did yeah. there. Yeah. But now in the future, the uh, we'll see how uh, one of my favorite lines ever. Yeah. Please tell no. Please don't tell anyone how. I live. <laughs> Which is how I, I all the time. <laughs> yeah. I used to say that. Now you guys see my nice clean it's apartment. Palatial. I'm fine gonna, with you. We're gonna tell everybody about <laughs> I it. I think Henry's <laughs> skimming off the top on Patreon. Hey, wait, no. <laughs> Oh, no. uh, and this also resets this kind of is the beginning of the Lenny is in love with Carl stories yeah too. couldn't give him a big fancy dinner and I mean the statement of stuff him till he don't know what's That's what, what yeah that, that could be read with sexual implications <laughs> I never well. thought of it that way before but yeah <laughs> and uh, I love Agnes Shell and the Skinner is always funny you never will <laughs> <be>. <laughs> uh, so 
Bart, Lisa, and Homer go to the library. Immediately, the guy has the phone book for Hokkaido, Japan. <laughs> an English language phone book, too. <laughs> there are no like residential phone directories in oh, Japan, by really? the way. I think you can call up an operator and ask them to give you a number for someone. Oh. If their number is registered, which most people don't do because you know privacy is a big thing in Japan. Oh, okay. They do have like yellow pages, though. It's called town pages. So. I was just watching an anime, uh, a modern romance anime, Bakuman, the one about making manga. Mm. And they make such a big deal of like, she gave you her phone number? Mm. You can text her? Wow. Like, that was a major moment of intimacy in that. Uh, I think also the addresses in Japan, they I, they make no sense to oh, me. Oh, I don't yeah. get it all. Like, it's so hard to find places in Japan because there are no street names and there are yeah. no, like, address numbers. Like When I was staying... Area codes. It is. And I, when I was staying in Japan, I had my host address and, like, my clipboard on my phone so I can just paste it into Google Maps whenever I had to get back home because it was, like, a lot of information. Yeah. Thank, thank God for Google Maps, I gotta <laughs> yeah. say. No, I can't. Uh, I went there right... I never went there when I didn't have a smartphone because I needed that at all times. And the uh, the only time I was in trouble with that was when I landed the first time. I hadn't got my Wi-Fi hotspot yet, so I didn't have Wi-Fi on my phone to look it up. And I was sure I memorized it, but then by the time I got there, I was like, crap, I don't remember which exit. And so I just went to a police officer who was nearby and just said the address and then he walked me the block Aww. to it and just was like, there, <laughs> dozo. I, I don't know how I managed to like get around Japan before like smartphones and pocket Wi-Fis were a thing. Like somehow I managed. I do have to ask for directions a lot though. And sometimes even they're like, oh, we don't know where this place is. And they like, <laughs> up a map and like, what? I think this is right. Yeah, actually I had a man. Oh, and on that same trip, it was this kind of magical thing that happened where that you think would only happen in like video games or movies. Where I, so I was there with my friend who she did speak Japanese, but we were both still kind of lost trying to find this place in Shinjuku. And so she asks in Japanese to this woman on the street, like, hey, do you know where this place is here? And then the woman just pulls out a map out of her pocket of the area. And she's like, oh, there it is on the map. I was like, this feels like a video <laughs> game here. It's like I'm a side like, quest. Exactly, yeah. I found the map lady. <laughs> uh, but so... Homer then calls. The phone number is very long. It's another real time killer, but it's also very funny. I really like how when you think it's going to end, it doesn't. Yes. Yeah. That, gets, that gets a real laugh out of me. It's another like sort of like a rake scene mm. of the Josh and Bill era. I always wondered why that guy walks away from the computer. <laughs> it's kind of in a rush. It, it yeah. feels like there's an emergency that he has to get away from. But maybe he's about to tell somebody like, uh, I think he's calling for a long. Yeah, he does get away really fast. I think it was just because it's like he is so like not unaware of what Homer's going to be doing. He just has something else that's going on. Just, <laughs> but, it sells it even more. But they put in like the footsteps and everything. So yeah. it feels like there's a joke cut or something. There may, maybe there's a little scene that we're forgetting. I guess we'll, we can get to it. Maybe it's, it's so funny. Just the delivery of here's the phone book for Hokkaido, Japan. Can I use your phone? Is this a local call? <laughs> and then he can still see Homer is dialing while looking in the phone book. Homer's wearing the glasses too, right? Yeah. The half glasses. Those are great. Those. Yeah, we are uh, in that era of half classic glasses. Homer half glasses. So here we get another of our guest stars in this episode, Getty Watanabe. Mm. Yes, this is Homer Simpson from America. Who may I say is speaking to me? Hello, Chief. Let's talk. Why not? Uh, hello? Why am I Mr. Sparkle? You like Mr. Sparkle? Well, I am Mr. Sparkle. You have many questions, Mr. Sparkle. I send you a premium answer question 100%. Hmm. 
And uh, that character is wearing one of those English word jumble t-shirts, uh, too, yeah. that you were talking about earlier. I think it says Champions of Winning Superb. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so. hard to read that shirt. Yeah. Those are fun shirts in Japan, but I can never buy them because I am too big for <laughs> Japanese shirts. I don't see too much uh, bad English on uh, t-shirts these days in Japan. Okay. I think they've gotten better about that. Yeah, maybe they realize that jokes like this. Yeah, <laughs> on it. Yeah, this guy looks like Getty Watanabe too. Yeah, so Getty Watanabe, most famous is Long Duck Dong. Okay, so yeah. I I never I've never seen Sixteen Candles. So preparing for this episode, I watched all the scenes of that character, <laughs> and yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's it's a thing. not even it's not even like accurate racism. It's it, like yeah, what exactly. are three things I know about uh, quote unquote Asians? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like he's got what is it like a it's like a Chinese name? He long- but Duck would be Chinese, but yeah. he's a he's Japanese, and the, and the stereotypes are about him being Japanese. But I think so. I mean, it's not. I mean, John Hughes uh, wasn't a worldly guy. It seems no, no. <laughs> like, I, I want to write about white people in suburbia, and that's it. In, in the commentaries, they were talking about how excited they were to get him. He's like, he's a donger. And, yeah, they and grew he was, up with him as the donger. And they he was doing the bits for them too. Yeah, they seem mm-hmm. to think that because he was okay with doing the bits, that the bits were okay. Then, which I really, they just let's forget them. Let's yeah. just say, you know what they. And let's say, let's assume that they weren't meant in a mean way, but let's just forget those. He actually doesn't speak Japanese at all. Okay. He was was born in like, uh, he was born in Ogden, Utah. Wow. Yeah. Well, so then he's just, I guess, doing this phonetically when he's speaking Japanese in character here, right? Pretty much, yeah. And then like all these roles he was put into, he he put on a thick Asian accent, which he doesn't have, which Asian actors had to do a lot. Yeah. And probably still do, actually. No, it's a sad, it's a general sad thing for a lot of minority actors. If you go to their IMDb and see all the roles they play, you really get a sense of what Hollywood expects from a minority. And it's not a lot in many cases, especially for getting Watanabe. Also for the other voice actor in this episode, Sab Shimono, like most of his acting are just like, well, you played a uh, soldier in MASH or you played a uh, a samurai or uh, a very broad characters. I was thinking, uh, who is the who's the Japanese American comic artist? I was actually uh, about Berkeley? to talk Adrian about that. Adrian Tomine. Uh, Adrian okay. Tomine did yeah. a whole comic about this. Yeah, I was thinking of that exactly. Yeah, that he uh, that Adrian Tomine is a Japanese American comic artist who uh, is most famous for Optic Nerve. That was his series of comics. He's very good. I like him a lot. And he lived he lived at least, or maybe still lives in Berkeley. So when I would read the comics while living here in Berkeley, California, I would then say like. Oh, he drew that movie theater. He drew that Bart stop. He I have a ton that. of his comics, and I've not read them again since I moved here eight and, years ago. And so he has a very good short comic about growing up with Long Duck Dong hanging over his life and being treated, causing a lot of bullying as a kid. And he hated that character, and by association, Getty Watanabe. And then he talks about getting to actually know him and calling him on the phone and having a conversation and then kind of befriending him. But then seeing Getty do another film with another very broad character in it, too, that he was just like, God damn it. <laughs> yeah. Um, like like I said, I'm I'm very fortunate that I grew up in a in a large Asian population, so I didn't get any of that teasing. Oh, do you know where the, his nickname comes from, by the way? Getty, no, no. It's based on his, uh, his actual name is Gary, and his mother oh. has a very thick accent. And it sounds uh, like Getty. Oh, wow. Wow. That's where it comes from. I didn't know that. Wow. wow. It's so kinda, it's kind of cute. His name is Gary. Yeah. It's cute. Yeah. That's and adorable. Uh, he actually like touched on 
this uh, issue in an interview in 2008. Oh, really? I just want to read what he said. He says uh, about the Long Duck Dong character. He said, I was making people laugh. I didn't realize how it was going to affect people. It took me a while to understand that. In fact, I was working at the Metropolitan Museum of Art, and I was accosted a, t- a couple of times by a couple of women who were just really irate and, un- and angry. They asked, how could you do a role like that? But it's funny, too, because at the same time, I laugh at the character. It's an odd animal. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. I don't know, he, he doesn't I mean, see it as wrong, I guess, but he understands yeah. that it's affecting yeah. people negatively. He is really, I mean, despite how you feel about that character, he's really giving it his all to play that mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. wacky character. He's well, really doing it. I feel for him in the way of like, he was never going to be cast in a major motion picture like that if it wasn't going to be that role, which is exactly. sad for him, but it was also... The biggest opportunity of his career, he got cast, he's gotten a million jobs just off of being that guy. So I can see why for him, he doesn't want to be too negative about it. And also, especially after John Hughes passed away, people don't want to say bad things about his movies. I generally like his films, though. He absolutely had issues with like women and Mm -hmm. minorities Mm -hmm. and like that. I mean, he was a man of his era too so uh, I know, it's it's very complicated you- i like how friendly the hokkaido workers are and just send him a free <laughs> promotional video i miss the age of when you could call somebody and get just a free promotional video sent to you in the mail what did you, do? you used to do that i did that a couple times yeah like one for a business i forget what and then the other was actually a uh the church of latter-day saints not mormons the mm, church of latter-day different, saints way different <laughs> uh they they had a commercial on tv that was like we'll hey We'll send you a free video if you just call this number. And so we, my, my dumb high school friends, were like, let's call the number. And so they sent us a video about being nice and not judging people. And uh, it taught me that there actually was a saying in it that has stuck to me from now uh, since then of just like, nobody's always something or never something. Don't judge people like that. Hmm. Which, like, so that's why I became a Mormon, guys. I've seen <laughs> that. No. You're a devout Mormon to this day. <laughs> to this very day, with <laughs> it, me and my husband. If so. you want to see like <laughs> all those kind of weird promotional VHS uh, VHS t- tapes, by the way, um, look up Red Letter Media's uh, Wheel of the Worst series. Those are some of the best. Mm, I do really love those. There. Oh boy, yeah. <laughs> Wheel of the Worst can sometimes be very hard to watch because they get like almost despicable films that they have to pull up. But that is the point of it. It's re- it's called the worst for a reason. Like, mm-hmm. But Red Lighter Media does good stuff with that. So Homer's getting his thing in the mail. While meanwhile, Lovejoy is being destroyed by Marge's popularity. The Lord will hear your lamentations and give solace to your spirit. The Lord or Marge Simpson? Amen to that. Yeah. <laughs> um, could we please not yell out things in the church? <laughs> One at a time. Now, who has the most urgent problem? I have a recurring dream in which I'm falling. Come right this way now. Tim, hold my calls. He has the lamest problem. I like how much attention he gets. Like, they come all, right this way, Mel. Oh, and my God. everyone except that yeah. Mel's has, they're like, oh, well, definitely him. They all just stand back. And I mean, it's happen. uncontrollable falling down. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've all had a dream where we wake up because we fell in the dream, right? Oh, I've had a number yeah. of those, yeah. My recurring nightmare is 
climbing up rickety stairs. Those mm. were the ones that always came to me. Or I'm late for school, and I just everything I do, I can't oh, get there. School on time. stress dreams. Yeah. They'll haunt you oh yeah. Life. Like I, the dream occurring school dream I have is like I have not gone to this class that I forgot about in the finals today, <laughs> and oh my god, I I'm gonna That's, fail it. That is classic. That's yeah. A classic. Dream it's so lame. I wish my dreams were were not that stock. <laughs> but ah. um, so the Marge story. This is the part I don't like so much. In that Marge um is doing a good job and she cares and she's not she's there's no like hubris or pride to it and it it's like uh i feel like she's ultimately punished for no reason in this story there's well like she means well and she's not like this has not changed her for the worse she cares more than lovejoy too the show the show doesn't necessarily say she stops being the listen lady though we should assume she does yeah but yeah the closest to hubris is that she just lets Ned off the phone too soon or doesn't follow up on it. Like it's not even she it's not even that she gives him bad advice that puts him in danger. It's just yeah. it doesn't work out. Yeah, she kind of gets punished. I mean maybe if it went to her head or something. Yeah. But they don't have the time for that. So I, maybe that was the original idea. Like it goes to her head, she gives the wrong advice because it went to her head. But when she gives Ned that advice, she means well and it's not that she's, you know, thinking she can she's like up you know batting above, you know, her her league or whatever. They got to make room for Mr. Sparkle it's though. True, it's true. That's how it is. Would we give up those great Mr. Sparkle jokes for more Marge mm. stuff? I don't know. Well, it also it stops being Marge's story and just becomes Lovejoy's. Yeah. It's about how Lovejoy feels, not Marge. And his, I do like the saints yelling at him. It's pretty funny. Yeah, uh, Saint Dominic, <laughs> what, Dominicus? Yeah, Donicus. Is, Donicus, 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 right. Da, named after Donna Carey. But the other three saints are real and their fates that are featured in the stained glass are accurate depictions. Oh, really? Although yeah. the beheaded guy could have been skinned alive as well. That's okay. what I read. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> By baboons or no? Uh, <laughs> not baboons. Uh, heathens. I see. Heathen monkeys. Who was the one getting eaten by a lion? You don't see his name on there. Uh, was it Bartholomew? No, Bartholomew was uh, the guy who was beheaded. Uh, I think Lovejoy name checks all of them. Mm. Oh, well, let's hear. Yeah. What have I done to lose them? The real question is, what have you done to keep them? <gasps> Saint Yell Eutherius of Nicomedia. That's my name, don't wear it out. <laughs> to inspire men, you must be brave. I introduced Christianity to Mongolia. It didn't take, but it was worth a try. Tell us, good reverend, what great deeds have you done to inspire the hearts of men? Well, I had the vestibule recarpeted. I've appeared in over 8,000 visions, and that's the lamest reply I've ever heard. Oh, now, please. I, I, I thought saints were supposed to be friendly. You, you're just lucky God isn't here. <laughs> uh, that's a great joke, and I love that Alex Rocco loves it on the commentary. He's like, I, I get it. That's so good. Until the commentary, I didn't get that as a joke to say that God has abandoned your church is what he's yeah. saying. I never got that. I mean, like that's when you're a kid. That's what you're taught. Like God lives in the church. When right. you're in church, God is all around you. So I just like you're just lucky. God isn't here. So see, he only says the first saint's name. It's true, but for some reason, all of these saints are named on the wiki. If you go to this mm. uh, this episode, it has all of their names listed. And, oh, okay. And then three of them have Wikipedia entries, but okay. Saint Donicus does not. <laughs> I, I like his assumption that saints are supposed to be nice, which is just like, what part of the Bible makes you think that, <laughs> that God is going to be nice to you in this case? They were all murdered. Yeah, they're all going to yell at you for not being strict enough, I would think. 
And uh, yeah, that they've appeared in all these videos, and they're like, "God, you're so lame. You suck." Like he's, and he, the sad man with his trains is is quite a good little scene here too. Well, this is a little awkward, but um, Tim came home from church so despondent today. He's just been playing with his trains all afternoon. We all need a little time to ourselves, Helen. Just give him a day or two, and I'm sure he'll be back to his old dynamic self. Okay. <laughs> Attention, HO scale passengers. The dining car is closed. Root beer is still available, but the cost is now six fifty. If the passengers will look to the right, you will see a sad man. That is all. No. Hmm. I think one of the issues with how much time they have for the story, and Macarini points it out in the commentary, it's similar to the Troy and Selma episode in that Lovejoy is a very slow talker. Ah. So that eats into the amount of time you have to tell his story. And now he's even sadder. His talking is even slower. So they don't have as much time with him. Or maybe they uh, made him sadder to pad out time. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, they are all professional writers. (laughs) I I didn't take that into the mechanics of the episode, that that makes it so much slower, all the Lovejoy scenes. And also maybe, you know, it makes them more nervous of like, is this too slow? Will we Mm. lose the audience with this? Slow talking. <laughs> yes. Uh, I really like Helen Lovejoy in this scene, actually. It shows that she actually cares for her husband. She's yeah. not being yeah. nasty or sarcastic at all. Yeah, she sounds I, so sad. I, I like, uh, even in, when you got to see them be mean to Marge together in the chili pepper episode, I like when you see that they do like each other. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah they have a nice back and forth. And I think this is the first time she's not portrayed negatively in the show's history. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, even though she has to preface it by saying, like, boy, I hate even asking you for help, Mark. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Yeah, she's, but she's still a little bit catty. This is the first time we've seen her, I think, since we heard about how cuffs and collars don't mix. Oh, <laughs> I didn't want to know that about her. <laughs> Though she's not blonde. I mean, yeah. Like that, uh, but okay, so it's time for the cla- uh, all-time moment in the series, the Mr. Sparkle commercial. I cut out a bit in the middle here because it's just, it's just a lot of Japanese language that most of our audience is going to know anyway. So uh, just to save time, but the, I remember when we were standing in line for the Simpsons ride that this played in its entirety on the TV and the clip package there, it was so strange. And it always made me wonder like, what do Japanese tourists who are waiting in this line think of this when it comes on, especially if they've never seen the show otherwise? Because I know the opposite feeling when I went to Tokyo Disney, if anything had English language on it or something with English language started like playing from a speaker, I immediately perked up like, oh, I understand yeah, this. They're wow, talking this about me. me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, who is the voice of Mr. Sparkle? That's Sab Shimon. Okay, I thought so. He's kind of, uh, you hear Getty in there, and then there's, uh, they hired two Japanese actresses. To, to play the women. To play the women in the scene, too, yes. Though, I swear, the person saying awesome power is Tress McNeil. Oh, that right? is Tress McNeil, yeah. yeah. So I think they doubled that one up, <laughs> but... Yeah, the, so they get the they get the VHS. I love how slow the, the giant pile of packing peanuts that then smack Homer in the face. That was good. Old VHS comedy. Yeah, and um, the Mr. Sparkle commercial was actually animated by uh, Alex Reese, who I brought up in the summer before. Oh yes, episode. yeah, because yeah, oh, cool. he animated the 
sequence where Homer is running around with the lit fireworks, and he's a guy who was interested in hiring me to do Futurama merchandise art after my Simpsons piece went viral. Awesome. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's wow. right. So when his name came up again, the comments were like, oh, okay, so he did that too. That's awesome. I mean, just like in that Summer 4.2 scene, he's really good at just dynamic action and, and all that, which this mm-hmm. is full of. This And you have to get so many... There's a, like five different scene mm-hmm. changes and things happen for no real reason in it. The same kind of like bizarre logic you get in a lot of weirdo commercials, both in America and Japan, I'd say too. Yeah, but. And uh, Sab Shimoto was also born in the U.S. He was born in Sacramento, California. Uh, in 1937, so he's 81 years old now. Wow. He's still with us. Yay. <laughs> and uh, he graduated from the University of California in Berkeley. I did see that, yeah. So he's a, a Berkeley boy. His real first name is Cody. <laughs> <laughs> and he has a husband. Whoa. Whoa, really? That. Wow. wow. I didn't know that. He's been married for a very long time. That's huh. great, man. Awesome. That's, uh, I also, I had read he had been interred as well yeah. by America. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah uh, Getty Watanabe's mother was interned during World War II, but <laughs> Sab Shimoto was, was interned with his family. Ooh, sad, sad. That's uh, that's one of my favorite Simpsons jokes in season nine when they go to the soccer game and Bart says, oh, right. I can't believe this used to be in a determined camp. Like That <laughs> mm. feels so like the American style of like shrug at what we did. In Vancouver, we have an annual fair called the, the PNE, the Pacific National Exhibition. And uh, that's where uh, Japanese Canadians were interned during Whoa, the war. Oh, <laughs> wow. Which a lot of people don't know about. No, I didn't, I didn't know, know that. Yeah. And I just knew the American side of that. I didn't. Wow, that's shocking. Jeez. Yeah, it happened in Vancouver too. Damn. Uh, well, so here, let's hear the first part of the Mr. Sparkle commercial. Oh, it's a videotape. Put it in, put it in. Uh, oh. Hello, American investor. I see you are interested in distributing Mr. Sparkle in your home prefecture. <laughs> you have chosen wisely. But please, don't believe me. Observe this Kamashiro. I love the music too. It actually reminds me of the anime Kodocha, which is from this era. Oh yeah, I I love Kodocha so much. Sab Shimono, I forgot to mention too. This is his second appearance on The Simpsons. He was the master sushi chef in the Blowfish episode as well. That's right. He said Mrs. Crab Apple. Yeah, I forgot he was in that. Yeah. So I have a lot to say about this commercial. Yeah, I want to hear it all. <laughs> this is where I, I shine. This is where I sparkle. <laughs> so first of all, I want to say that intro with the awkward English is like perfectly done, I think. Mm. The way it's like, it's understandable English, but it's just slightly awkward enough that you can tell it's not like a perfect translation. Really well done. But stuff like that and also like the factory workers and all that um, in the Japanese dub of this episode like that humor does not come across at all (laughs) as you can imagine they just sound like normal people I bought the Japanese um, season 8 DVD set to appear wow wow that is Um, dedication thank you no I was gonna I wanted to buy all the DVD sets in Japanese at at some point anyway so I'm like this this gave me motivation they Uh, do include the English dub too right yeah yeah. okay so it's like having well I already have season eight in Mm -hmm. English of course but yeah (laughs) yeah the Mr. Sparkle commercial it's it is Japanese but I want to know who translated it because it's slightly awkward so for the Japanese dub they actually redid the audio for the commercial because Oh this, yeah, this like original audio was not perfect. It would it would confuse 
the l- viewers in a way that it wasn't meant to in its original form, I would guess. Then, yeah, the, this is going to be a comprehensive <laughs> breakdown of the Mr. Sparkle commercial. Uh, this if, is great. If you don't want to hear me say a bunch of Japanese, just skip ahead like five minutes or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, first, I'm going to say the English subtitles, uh, then the original audio, the the exact words I think they're saying Japanese. Again, I can't capture all of it. It's slightly awkward Japanese. Some of the grammar is off. Uh, some of the vocabulary is awkward. Um, and then my translation um, of that. And, and then my translation of the uh, the Japanese dub. I'm disrespectful to dirt. Can't you see that I am serious? Uh, original audio. Akani taishite bureira yogore ni yoboru? I think. Honki da yo. Aka is dirt, but it's also it, it means like the grime you get from people. Mm. Uh. So you, you might get aka dirt in bathtubs, but not so much, you know. In, in dishes so that's a little bit off um, bure means to disrespect but it's a very archaic term and it's more for like disrespecting like uh, a feudal lord or something <laughs> oh, okay. which kind of fits with this this wackiness you yeah. know? he wants you to join him or die <laughs> yeah yeah and yeah. in the dub he says yogore wa ore no tenteki tokoton aratte iku which is dirt, is, dirt is my arch nemesis. I will clean it thoroughly. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Next line. Uh, subs say, uh, get out of my way, all of you. This is no place for loafers. Join me or die. Can you do any less? And I think they're saying in the original audio, doke, minna doke, boroboro shiteru tokoro janai, ore to ishuni nasuka, shinuki ka. That's pretty correct. I would say, boroboro. Uh, that's kind of a weird way to put like, uh, to say loafing or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, like dada dada would make more sense. Again, this is a treat for people who know Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is great. Uh, yeah. I like, oh, I I like I love to this. know about okay. all of this. And Japanese dub, he says, doke minna doke. It's the same as the original audio. Koko wa ikiiki no otachiba janai. Ore to ushu ni arauka, sore tomo uchiji ni suru ka. And he's saying, move, everybody move. This is no place for dancing. Will you wash with me or will you die in battle? <laughs> it's pretty That's cool. Pretty I like too. it. Yeah. I like it. I like <laughs> it's the, better. Yeah, <laughs> will you die in battle? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I like, will you wash with me? Yeah, will you wash with me? Will you die in battle? I like that. Yeah, like I never, like oh, when, he says, so good. when he says join me or die, I never thought like he wants you to wash things with him, but it makes <laughs> sense, right? Yeah. In and this battle against dirt or Aka. <laughs> and the subs, what a brave corporate logo. I accept the challenge of Mr. Sparkle. Original audio, um, which are done by obviously not Japanese speakers. By the way, it's very, very awkwardly uh, said. I'm, I guess because he got the female voice actors in The Simpsons to say these uh, lines. Isamashi homurogo desu ne. Mr. Sparkle no challenge ni ojimasu. And yeah, that's correct. The subtitles are correct. In the dub, they say, Ma nanti samashi kata, masani samurai, Mr. Sparkle nara, watashi ishoni shindemo iwa, which is, My, he's so brave. He's like a samurai. I would die for Mr. Sparkle. <laughs> <laughs> I, I li- that to me feels like that they thought Americans would think of a brave samurai yeah. and, mm. make, and make a Japanese commercial say that. That's. That's that's my guess mm-hmm. on that localization. And here's where this is interesting. Um, when she says "awesome power," like obviously she's putting on a, a thick accent there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in the Japanese DVDs, they have uh, subtitles which are different from this um, the actual dub. Mm. <laughs> so there's always there's two translations. There's like the dubs and there's these subtitles. And in the subs, they put down uh, "awesome power." "Awesome" means king. They mistook oh. "awesome" as "awesome." Wow. Yeah. 
And in the dub, she just says Sugoi Power, which if you're a weeb, you would know <laughs> means oh, yeah. awesome power. Yeah. Go back to Chuchu Rock. <laughs> <laughs> and in the subs, uh, any plans for the summer? Original audio, Natsuyasimi no Keikako wa Arudeska. Wait, slightly awkward grammar there. In the dub, he says Natsuyasimi no Puran mo tatemashita, which is did you make plans for the summer? Interesting because he says the word Puran yeah. in the dub. Huh. And that's something most people don't get when they try to translate things to Japanese. They try to translate absolutely everything, but there are so many English loanwords in Japanese. I, yeah, I've noticed that, that a lot too when I hear, yeah, when I've learned the tiniest bit of Japanese and I'm watching subtitled anime, I then go like, oh, that's, they just said the word. They just, uh, I thought they'd have their own word for that. And also, if you're looking to buy uh, manga in Japan, the comics, it's called the comic section. They call it kumikusu. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. So if you look for, if you're looking for manga, just say kumikusu. And then the last line, uh, sub say, for lucky best wash, use Mr. Sparkle. Original audio, uh, Mr. Sparkle, un no yo besto washu. Washu, um, <laughs> <laughs> I love that. By the way, I, I love in Futurama when he says, "I I don't know chefuru." <laughs> oh yeah, unnoyo <laughs> for for luck. Um, yeah, it's correct, but again, awkward grammar. In the dub, he says, "Mister Sparkle, Oksan Dandasan Sararai ni Korekkenaize," which is, "Mister Sparkle, wives and husbands," which is kind of a way to say, "Ladies and gentlemen, uh, you got to use this for washing dishes." Ah, hmm. oh, cute! I like that one too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this is just—I um, think this is really fascinating. Like, I—I I really am into like English localization, especially Japanese English localization. I think it's so cool how there's so many different translations or uh, of this commercial. There's the the original audio and then the subs, quote unquote subs of the audio which are in the show, mm. and then there's the DVD subs, the Japanese DVD subs, and then there's the dub version. There's so many versions wow. of this commercial. That's so all started from Americans writing hmm. English text that they then asked somebody to translate into Japanese to then be said by a Japanese American actor. Wow. You could write a whole college essay on this. Yeah. Someone out there yeah. should do this. Do a, a, an oh. even more uh, thorough analysis like and breakdown w- of this episode. If uh, I got my PhD, I probably would. That would be my <laughs> thesis. It's it's like an intentional language experiment, but just done accidentally through sharing of information. Mm-hmm. I've, wow. I've always said that if I... If I didn't get into any kind of artistic or creative career, I would go into linguistics. And this is the kind of stuff that really interests me. Wow. That's great. That's, uh, thank you for bringing this to the show. No, thank no you. No no other Simpsons podcast <laughs> would give me that much information on the, <laughs> on the Mr. Sparkle sequence. No way. Well, here, let's hear the last half of that commercial. That didn't explain anything. All I know is they stole my face and used it for their stupid logo. There's no other explanation. Wait, look! Mr. Sparkle, a joint venture of Matsumura Fishworks and Tamarabushi Heavy Manufacturing Concern. Hey, it was all a coincidence. Yep, there's your answer, Fishbulb. Well... It was a good ride while it lasted. Come on, kids. Let's go home. We are home. 
That was fast. <laughs> uh, the fishball was so brilliant. Yeah. Was it uh, Matsumura? Matsumura, yeah. yeah. I always I, thought that was named after a character in Gung Ho since Kere mm, Watanabe and Shimono uh, were, were in Gung Ho. It's actually um, somebody that David X. Cohen knew in grad school. I think like mm-hmm. most of the multiculturalism in this era of The Simpsons is because David X. Cohen went to grad school with different <laughs> non-white people. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's because he went to California yeah. uh, ones instead of Harvard. And or, like computer school. Or in addition to Harvard because yeah. he did go to Harvard. He started at Harvard. Uh-huh. Yes. I, I love the names Matsumura Fishworks and uh, Tamaribuchi Heavy Manufacturing Concern. <laughs> um, so one day um, I was I was wondering what the world's longest hot dog was. I don't know why. Okay. <laughs> so I looked it up sure. on Wikipedia. <laughs> I'm, get, I'm getting somewhere with this, by the way. <laughs> but apparently the hardest part of making a long hot dog is not making the, the wiener, but the bun. Like making it oh, all in one piece. <laughs> yeah, how could you cook it all in one piece? Yeah, it's yeah. Impossible. And uh, the the record is 203.8 meters, which is 669 feet, made in Paraguay Whoa. in 2011. But in 2006, in Japan, uh, they made a hot dog measuring 60 meters. And it was made by uh, Shizuoka Meat Producers and the All Japan Bread Association. <laughs> and that, that really reminded me of <laughs> these two company mm, names. It's like Allied Biscuit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, apparently it was George Meyer who finally came up with the fish bulb joke. Mm. In the, uh, and, and it just makes so much sense when you see it that they, but to think that they didn't originally yeah. plan that is, mm-hmm. is, is so fascinating. Now whenever you see it, you just think fish bulb. But then yeah. that was a fun reveal for the first time. It, it did really, in my first viewing as a 13 year old i was like oh wow wow how clever i mean i i have a lot of tattoos and i've always wondered like if i were to get a simpsons tattoo what would it be and this is up there like, like ball and that fish yeah, <laughs> yeah boy that is pretty high up for me it might be that or poochie surfing i might uh, that's tempting too i don't know which one i'd go with i can draw one for you Ooh, <laughs> i i, I maybe talk to you after the show <laughs> uh the cow shattering is my favorite of all the random jokes though also the ape drumming in the in picture in picture box is pretty funny too i like that they do um, love their picture-in-picture picture stuff in Japan. Yeah. <laughs> the reaction shots when they're showing things. I know. That's why it. Uh, whenever you see Japanese TV like that gets aired in America, that's at least live, they have so many picture-in-picture picture things. They show you how the hosts of the show are reacting to some yeah, of the Yeah, the, the 10 shows. hosts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, do you find that annoying, by the way, the picture-in-picture picture stuff? I can't. Well, honestly, when I've been in Japan, I don't watch much t- live television because mo- it's just hard. It's most shows in Japan are that, right? It, uh, it seems like it. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, uh, unless it's like a drama or an anime or like a show made separate, right? I, mm-hmm. uh, that's there's the there's a lot going on in Japanese shows. Like There's like 10 hosts. The, the set is always like crazy colorful and there's all kinds of crazy stuff going on and there's subtitles everywhere yeah. and the picture-in-picture stuff. Yeah, are all the subtitles on stuff? Is that like some legal thing? I always wondered if... The uh, subtitles? Like, yeah, for like uh, what if uh, for deaf listeners they just have everything subtitled? Oh, no, I, th- I think it's just to make clear what they're saying is because like, they especially do the subtitles when someone's saying something funny and uh, they, don't, they want you to know what they're saying exactly and there's so many homonyms in Japanese that the subtitles really help hmm. okay wow I've learned so much mm-hmm. I always wanted because so much anime has the subtitle their own subtitles on it not like in the openings I mean I, mm. it, it always at least in the older ones I watch like, for the yeah. opening sequence yeah in the, in, the, in the opening theme song I think it's because like, they want you to learn the, the, the words so you uh, can sing along 
or was singing at karaoke. Then you want to buy the album. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I also like that Homer seems to think that his story's over and he acts like, oh, let's go home, kids. <laughs> it's like, if we are home. That was fast. <laughs> and that's the end of that plot line. And that's yeah. just it. That's, uh, <laughs> uh, so, meanwhile, it's time to get... The last act is one of the shortest in the series history, too. It's like four minutes, I think, if you take out the oh, credits. Really? It's really fun, though. I it's, it's tons of fun. When you start watching this episode, you don't think it's going to end with a baboon attack. But yeah. uh, uh, here's Ned's call to Marge. I'm in some hot soup here, Marge. Uh, some teenagers are hanging out in front of the store. I, I, I think they could start slacking at any moment. Well, Ned, you don't have to stand for that. You just march right up to those youngsters and tell them to vamoose. Yeah, well, if you're sure that'll help. Hey, let's go over the one-hour photo and breathe some fumes. Mm -hmm. Uh, excuse me, fellas. I I, I couldn't help thinking it might be nice if you could, uh, vamoose, you know, (laughs) if possible. Hello, listen, lady. Uh... Marge, I, I appreciate your advice, but uh, things have gotten, <laughs> well, they're, they're uh, a lot worse. <laughs> now, Ned, troubled boys need rules and discipline. They crave it. You just lay down the law. <laughs> well, I know, but they're on their mini bikes and all. <laughs> oh, all right, let me talk to them. Put me on with the lead boy. Boys, there's a call here for you. I love how it suddenly becomes like a 50s juvenile delinquency movie that <laughs> yeah. Ned is trapped in. But also, again, with the Marge stuff, like Marge, that's good advice. Like, hey, Ned Flanders, don't be such a wiener. You know, yeah. it's not like she's giving him bad advice. It's just the situation is so extreme that no one could have predicted it or prepared for it. Her only mistake, I would say is that she her hubris if any is that she just lets ned go she's like well i guess everything's fine even Mm. though it seemed to not be fine but she just lets it go and the they have the extra blub of the water cooler there just to let you know like (laughs) she's not more padding more padding yes yeah (laughs) i love their reaction to being told to vamoose and they're just like how dare you so uh since since i used to pencil for for simpsons comics i pay a lot more attention to backgrounds now and I noticed that uh, this is the second appearance of the Leftorium since uh, when Flanders failed. Like, we saw it in Hurricane Nettie, but we only see the outside. Oh, yeah. And um, so for, for Bart Simpson Comics, I, I penciled a story called The Gluten, the Bread, and the Hungry, which was mm. written by my friend Ian Boothby. And I had to draw the Leftorium, so I got reference for it, and I got these model sheets for the Leftorium. Oh. And it clearly shows the inside, and the production note at the bottom says it's a revised background. So I have a feeling I got the model sheets that they redrew for this episode. Wow. Oh, my God. Gosh, yeah, the first episode it appeared in was an ugly episode by their own admission. Yeah, yeah, one of the worst they'd gotten back, I think. So, yeah, wow, that's that's so cool that you got this. You probably from this episode, this model sheet for all the left-handed gear shifters. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that sign is in there, and um, I have some model sheets that are obviously not revised, and you can tell a difference <laughs> between Ooh. the two. I like going inside the leftorium is pretty neat. I, I miss I think they use one of the left-handed shears to cut his uh, phone line. Yeah, here. you're oh, right. Left-handed with left shears. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> their little mini bikes too are very funny. They're not dirt <laughs> bikes. They're, and, and I do, you know, though, you got to you got to be mad at the mall security though too and everyone else who yeah. lets Ned be chased for 
hours. The police by aren't involved in any way. Yes. Maybe the rest of the mall is annoyed by him. Let <laughs> it happen. There should have been a cutaway to why Wiggum is not involved in this. Like he's <laughs> eating something, he's asleep, he's in his car, something's yeah. happening. Maud should have a line saying, like, well, I did call the police, but XYZ happened. I, like, I'm not the comedy writer. <laughs> See, she'd say something funny though. Uh, but when Maud comes to ask Marge for help, that's it's a funny way of phrasing it. Like, did your husband come home last night? Because mine didn't. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, that Ned has been. You feel so bad for Ned. This is one of the worst things Jimbo, Dolphin, Kearney have done: chasing a man until perhaps he passes out from exhaustion. <laughs> chasing in the a sixty-year-old man. This poor sixty-year-old <laughs> man. Uh, though, He's not sixty yet. <laughs> though clearly, though Ned hasn't learned his lesson from. He's forgotten his lesson from Hurricane Nettie because this would be one of those things he would run somebody over in his car for. This All right. kind of mm. uh, a annoying him he should have gotten in his car <laughs> but instead i wonder if really this is a lost thing here but lovejoy maybe should have told marge ah you don't realize the trick with ned is to tell him to take no action because mm. his actions only make things worse that's what i took it as that marge's suggestion is not what lovejoy would have said in the past which is what gets ned into trouble that is true i didn't read that into the scene but yeah like lovejoy would just give him some nonsense answer that would prevent him from acting yeah i mean that that's that's the most I can read from Marge's misjudgment there. It really does feel like the, the typical Marge is being punished for no reason. Like, yeah, yeah. And she was trying. She just wanted to do the right thing. Uh, but yes, Marge needs some help. Oh, I'm in way over my head. I mean, where do the helpers turn when they need help? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Marge, why don't you let me handle this? Hello, church basement. Yeah, it's Ned Flanders. The teens have been chasing me all night. They, they finally stopped to gas up their scooters. Ned, where are you? Well, I can't see the name of the station, but the gas costs one forty-nine and eight-tenths. Eight-tenths? Donnie's discount gas! Thanks for swinging by the house, Reverend. Donnie? What? Did you see a man being chased by some young hooligans? I see lots of stuff. <laughs> Did you see that? Yes. <laughs> I love that. It's like the, the tiniest complication that's immediately resolved. Yes. And yeah. I, also, I also like the line, I see lots of stuff. <laughs> Just that statement. I yeah. see lots of stuff. What is the story behind this guy anyway? This Donnie guy. I remember... He's cutting gas prices by a tenth of a cent. <laughs> when the first episode first aired, I remember there was speculation among the online community that he was some kind of contest winner because he uh, feels so specific for such mm, an unimportant character wow. and his name and everything. That's definitely Hank Azaria though. Yeah. yeah. I just like the... Not the, not the voice, but like uh, the, the design, design and name. Yeah. yeah. There's just I, speculation. I just like that. the infamous gas man who uh, <laughs> has one-tenth of a cent off the normal gas price that's and he's known for that. Gas. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I like that Marge kind of knows him, too. She's like, Donnie, yeah. she's on first-name basis with him, and maybe it's like her relationship with Ben of Yes, I was thinking about yeah. that. Oh, all these one-off uh, characters that are named once and forgotten about. <laughs> I want I want them to be spun off. And I also love the ridiculousness that they just hang a lantern on of Homer saying, like, hey, thanks for getting us, because they want the family to be here for this last scene, even though they have no agency within it. There's no reason for them to be there other than to also just react. To have more jokes. It's yes. like, we want Lisa to say something. 
<laughs> now we want Homer to say something. That moment with Donnie, too, it's like a million Law and Orders have that moment. Like, I see lots of things. But instead, it, you all you need to do is ask, like, well, specifically, did you see that? Yes. <laughs> yes. I laugh so hard at that. Uh, but, yeah, Ned, Ned is in, uh, seems to be out of the frying pan and into the fire here. Looks like we lost him. Yeah, well, we proved our point. He'll think twice next time he tries to defend his business. (laughs) (sighs) I'm sleepy. Let's go to school. (laughs) They're leaving. The ordeal is over. You don't expect that. You don't. Uh, that's a complication I did not see coming upon yeah. first seeing this episode. Uh, but Baboon uh, County, USA. I mean, uh-huh. apes are funny. Apes are funny. I don't. I don't, yeah. I don't like apes or monkeys. I gotta say, they terrify me. They're <laughs> super scary. I don't trust a, a chimp. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I mean, they can is, they can mess you up. This is really before we all knew the secret of monkeys is they want to tear your face off and eat it. Yeah, they, they will go for your face and your genitals. Yeah, there's there's been a lot of horrible attacks at zoos, which I don't blame the unlike Marge in this episode I don't blame the apes for because they're not supposed to be there they've been taken yeah. out of their habitat and surrounded by people I mean this there also <laughs> this this predates Harambe by I was gonna say there were no years, yeah. there were no trained zoo snipers on the scene <laughs> oh god <laughs> like yeah. repel down the gorilla enclosure yeah I love that this zookeeper is just like well he cares my, way more about the feelings of the baboons yeah. than Ned's life it'd be bad for the society <laughs> yeah I don't trust uh, him at all um, and uh, we get a quick Japanese tourist joke which i don't know i've uh, cameras nobody walks around with giant cameras anymore that's uh, though i've seen more camera stores in japan still than i do around here definitely though i think they're just called camera stores even though they're basically a best buy like uh um yodabashi cameras the the one in uh downtown akihabara is really really cool it's quite a gigantic store and it sells everything and uh cameras as well yes yeah <laughs> i mean you can also buy cameras i just yeah. love its theme song the other oh, yeah. <laughs> that male tourist has really nice shoes by the way i was oh, admiring yeah. that i'm like this is a nice shoe design it's very um it's more complex than most footwear <laughs> wow. wear. And uh, do you guys know uh, Buntane Simpson, by the way? No. no. It's like a really, really weird uh, short webcomic. I shouldn't say webcomic, but it's a comic you can see online. It's like Homer and then Seinfeld oh. <laughs> talking. Wow. I uh, if you look this. it up, you might you might mm. recognize it. It's just like bizarre. And oh. um, the artist, um, who's uh, someone I follow on Twitter, Brian Lee, he went to Japan recently and... He's got like a round face and like like round glasses and short uh, blue hair. So he said when he got up, uh, when he <laughs> in the airport, someone called him Doraemon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's cute. But yeah, please that's... look up Buntane Simpson if you have not seen it. Uh, mentioning shoes did remind me at the beginning of this episode, you see Homer in black socks when he takes off his church clothes. Oh, you're which right. I feel like you never see that. Like Homer doesn't wear black socks. He's either just barefoot wearing his cloven shoes or white socks. <laughs> his cloven shoes. <laughs> It's <laughs> a good way of putting that. Yeah, well, I, it, it's especially when you look too closely at Homer's feet, you're like, these are hooves. They're hooves. In the uh, model sheets for Homer, they're described as irons. Oh, I, wow, mm. that's great. Yeah. They they also, they mentioned on the commentary too that like in the model sheets for Homer, Silverman drew like Homer's head is kind of a light bulb. Like he, descri- he described it as that. In his the, head is a light bulb and his body is also like an upside down light bulb. Yeah. Oh, Homer's reaction to hearing about eating skin is my favorite part <laughs> of this one here. Hey, Landers, it's me. <laughs> Mr. Spockler, Mr. Spockler. Kinichiwa. Mm-hmm. 
came from Baboon County, USA. Oh, help! What do I do? Blanket! No! Run around in circles! No! Act like a lion! Swipe at the dominant male! Come on, Ned! Knock that monkey down! <laughs> Jumping kangaroo rats! <laughs> You've got to get him out of there! Geez, I'd like to, but if they don't kill the intruder, it's really bad for their society. <laughs> They're gonna kill him? Eventually. First, they'll eat his skin. You, you, you. Even Homer's feeling for Ned in that situation. <laughs> baboons are terrifying, though. They, they are uh, like a group of baboons is called a troop, by the way. A troop. Yeah, and they they do travel in packs, and they are very very aggressive. So Jeez. yeah, I don't I don't trust apes and monkeys, but I also don't trust large flightless birds. <laughs> so like, uh, oh. at one point in the zoo, like you see an ostrich pen. I was thinking like, man, that the fencing around that pen is awfully low. Like I wouldn't want to get near that. I don't. Oh, I'm not. So a, scared. Uh, I'm scared of like ostriches, emus, and cassowaries. You got pretty close to turkeys today, though. <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah, I mean they're they're not that huge. Like then they, they can't fly, up, right? What they turkeys, can fly, right? No, turkeys can't fly. Wild turkeys can fly. Don't you right? remember from WKRP in Cincinnati, the oh, classic moment? Yeah. He throws them out of. Uh, he does a turkey drop, and he says. God is my witness. I thought turkeys could fly. Boy, I'm glad I didn't make that mistake. Yeah, I finally saw some wild uh, turkeys that uh, Bob tweets out once in a while. And uh, yes. Yeah. There were there there some big ones, and those talons are huge. Bob lives in Turkey Town. I don't yeah. see any turkeys. I'm up in the in Turkey District. You're, not, you're way out of that area. As, as long as they're not emus, I'm okay. They're all giving suggestions to Ned, but they all aren't taken. Only Lovejoy can help him. This is now Love... This, I guess, is the end of suggestions helping Ned, and instead, only Lovejoy can, Lovejoy. Lovejoy can pick up the baton that he was supposed uh-huh. to be carrying of helping Ned. He's going to use his knowledge of trains to save yes. Ned. That's a really that is a good yeah, plot moment. It's a good of, connector that he's on a real, well, not a real train, a different type of model train, a larger scale train. Yes, yeah, not HO. I can't imagine having to like lay out this sequence and animate it. Oh, they did a really good job. It's really complicated. It's a great action scene. If I saw that in a script, even as a a comic artist, I'd be like, screw you. (laughs) I don't want to draw this. A moving train going in an angle to catch his arm as he swings up. How it goes around the around the bend too. Like it's so well done. Like I wonder who animated this. Stephen Dean Moore is the uh, director on this one. Okay. Yeah, and uh, Lovejoy is a action star with his spin around (laughs) on the thing. Just yeah. knocking those two apes <laughs> off like gray football. Two yeah. hairy, hairy footballs. Yes, yes. Uh, well, here, let's just hear it. <laughs> oh, oh, thank the Lord. He's truly watching over. <laughs> 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 your prayers, you heathen baboons. <laughs> It's very stock. Uh, they don't normally use stock sounds there, but that smack sound was a very stock sound effect. I like how Lisa is horrified by human beings beating up monkeys. <laughs> yes. So I think Lisa is there to be the PETA uh, yeah. who might complain of like, you're hurting these apes, which is like, well, these are all self-defense attacks of animals. They wouldn't normally endorse violence against animals, but this is just to save Ned. I noticed that while Lovejoy is saving Ned, Marge says, thank heavens, and Ned says, thank the Lord. Uh, is that kind of a joke about how people will thank God no matter what? Like, it's clearly Lovejoy who's worse saving and worse. him. Yeah, that's true. Hey, love, give Lovejoy some credit yeah. there, guys. And his, 
when it circles, you get the now leaving Baboon County, USA, which is a great gay. Or that you'd see that in like Jurassic Park. Now leaving Jurassic Park, they have that scene. But <laughs> that you then see them circle back around to re-enter it. And you don't the see you don't see them realize that though. They're just yeah. relieved on the train, and then we, the viewers, see where they're going. There's a lot of momentum on that train. That's yeah. that's such a great joke. You could end the episode there, but I'm glad they have the true ending here with the final sermon. Yeah. Wow. Oh, those poor monkeys. They started it. (gasps) You saved me, Reverend. You really went above and beyond. Thank you. Oh, don't thank me. Thank Marge Simpson. Mm. She taught me that there's more to being a minister than not caring about people. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. Baboons to the left of me, baboons to the right. The speeding locomotive tore through a sea of inhuman fangs. A pair of the great apes rose up at me, but Biff, bam, I sent them flying like two hairy footballs. A third came screaming at me. (laughs) And that's when I got mad. Now that's religion. So I guess you learned that uh, you should save your parishioner's life if you have the chance, yeah. and also have a good story to tell in church. But, have some energy. Yeah, a better story. <laughs> Though I would think at some point in that parable, he's going to be like, just as Joshua did, yeah. <laughs> or something great, like that. Great church sign, Conquest of the County of the Apes. That's great, too. Yeah, yeah I love... The, there's some really... Also, I like the sign gag of the Miracle of Shame that he yeah. was building. That was great. And also... Um, Habitat for huge, huge manatees. manatees. That's, a, that's a clever little Very thing. cute. Well, no, notice at the end of the, the church signboard, he uses a Q and a, a U. <gasps> You're right. Maybe he ordered more. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's getting his groove back in all sorts <laughs> of ways. <laughs> I wonder if that was in- intentional. Yeah, I wonder. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it, you know, it's a reference to Conquest of the Planet of the Apes, but yeah, the, yeah it, it does bring the Q and the U back. I it's, it's just smart enough that I think they'd at least take credit of like, yeah, we meant that <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, this episode, I love the Mr. Sparkle stuff. Uh, I love the Lovejoy stuff. But again, Marge is sort of sacrificed on the altar mm. of telling stories about other characters. <laughs> Just like the pretzel wagon one, her yeah. name's in the title and she gets lost in it. The the closest reconnection we have to her at the ending is that Lovejoy thanks Marge. Yeah. Like, she instead, again, though, is a Thank spectator. Marge Simpson. <laughs> She's a spectator yeah. in her own story at yeah. the end of it, which is too too bad for old Marge. Yeah, I will admit that I, I mostly remember this episode for Mr. Sparkle. Yes. I mean, like that, I, I got to say, that commercial nearly killed me when I watched it for the first time. I was laughing so hard. Like, I could not breathe. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't. Imagine well, and then your perspective of knowing Japanese when you're yeah. watching it too must add even that just more made fun it funnier. I did like the line. I forgot to mention it. Her saying like your Game Boy is gone. Like mm. that did Nar. talk to me as a kid because I I did drop the Game Boy into mm. on the water on the beach one time and it was, oh no it, it didn't survive. So it's I like salt get, water and sand. And <laughs> yeah, it didn't dry out so good. Mm. So I had to get a new Game Boy. Those, those things survived Desert Storm though. You know, <laughs> I've seen that. Yeah, happen. but I mean, salt plus batteries. It's not True. a good combo. Oh. Not a good cocktail either. <laughs> uh, Sounds like grog. <laughs> any other final thoughts, or do you want to talk about uh, anything you're doing now, Nina? Um, actually, since I bought the the season eight set in Japanese, I wanted to um, read out the the Japanese titles for all the episodes of the season. Oh, sure, let's <laughs> hear those. Great. I want to hear those. Real quick. I want us yeah. to 
Is it okay if we took turns reading these? Sure, There's a lot sure. to go through. So, yeah. season eight episodes in Japanese. I and I translated these, by the way. Halloween special seven, another world. <laughs> I guess they got subtitles. <laughs> oh wow! In Japanese. Homer moves twice. <laughs> Just Homer. <laughs> oh, Boy. Homer, the strongest man, burns his love test. A clean, proper Springfield. That's an exclamation mark and a question mark. A couple's crisis comes suddenly. Her first love is a bully. <laughs> Flanders' is secret revealed. Whoa. Wow. Oh, for her Katie Nettie, that's great. The chili recipe of nightmares. <laughs> uh, Springfield X-Files. That's kind of <laughs> boring. Cool on the nose. <laughs> Marge's business training. Burns and Homer's terrifying snowy mountain in- incident. <laughs> I like that one. Sherry Bobbins is here. <laughs> I like that too. That's great. What? <laughs> Homer's voice acting challenge. Wow. Uh, Homer's Bart reform project. <laughs> and the man who fooled Sideshow Bob. I love is, that. It's a real We're spoiler. <laughs> before, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Hold on. I need a drink of water. These are, <laughs> these are too good. The little sister is a demonic babysitter. <laughs> Homer and Bart's illegal booze plan. <laughs> Principal Skinner's quote unquote, I love trouble. Is that? It's a reference to the very memorable uh, film. Starring I, Nick Nolte. I love trouble. Yeah, wow. interesting. So, but that's it's a from, romantic. That's comedy. grade school confidential. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's crazy. I don't know this, why they called it that at all. This, yeah. this next one is a real shonen anime one. Enter a rival for helper, the family dog. <laughs> wow. And Santa's little helper is called Helper, right? In Japanese, yeah. Burns and Lisa's great recycling project. Mar- this is this, this episode. Marge's life advice hotline. <laughs> uh, next episode is Homer's enemy. Homer the sloth has no enemies. Well, that's clearly. <laughs> wow. Uh, I love that. That's the opposite of Homer's enemy. <laughs> and then the Simpsons spinoff showcase, which mm-hmm. is the same. And all, and then uh, G.I. Lisa, which, which is a good, yeah, pretty clever. I actually kind of like that I, one. I think I like it more than The Secret War of Lisa Simpson. Yeah, yeah same, yeah. same. Actually, it fits more with G.I. Jane, the, yeah. the Debbie Moore mm-hmm. movie, too. I like that. Wow. Those were great. Thank you. Oh, thanks for translating those too. That was yeah, awesome. Yeah, no problem. Awesome stuff. <laughs> thanks for reading it. <laughs> so, Nina, uh, you're a special guest. Uh, you've got a lot of stuff going on with FanGamer. You've got your own store. Mm-hmm. You're doing a lot of great stuff. Can you talk about where we can find you and how we can buy your things? Uh, yes, I'm mostly on Twitter as Space Coyote. That's Space Coyote with an L at the end instead of an E. And my website is spacecoyote.com or ninamatsumoto.com. That's my secret domain name. FanGamer has a new site design. Uh, go to the collections tab on the top, click on Buy Artist, and click click on Space Coyote. You can see all my Fangamer stuff on there. Uh, most recently, I designed stuff for Deltarune, which is um, uh, Toby Fox's newest game uh, connected to Undertale. Persona 5, Stardew Valley, Bomberman, and Capcom stuff like Okami and Bionic Commando, where I got to do a uh, shirt design uh, featuring uh, exploding oh head my gosh. Of, of General Bad. Was wow, it? yeah. I think so. Okay. Not, <laughs> I mean, Hitler. Not Hitler. Hitler. Not Hitler. Not yeah. Hitler. And it's censored on the site. Yeah. <laughs> Bangamer's first censored t-shirt. I kind of would love to just walk around with that shirt just to see people <laughs> gawking. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it's it's pretty gory, but I'm really I'm really happy that Capcom let me do it. That's awesome that, that that's official merch of that exploding head. Yes, I had to explain myself <laughs> too. They were like, "Why what did you this? choose? Yeah, why did you choose to use this imagery?" I'm like, "Oh, everyone likes this scene." Yeah, they do. And they're like, "Okay." <laughs> 
Awesome. Um, and also, I've, I sell my original prints and a, a lapel pin as well. Um, if you go to shop.spacecoyote.com, please sell my original work so I can uh, I can justify selling more of it and <laughs> making more of it. Awesome. Well, yes, as for us, uh, thanks, Dina, for being on the show. Really appreciate it. And as for us, you can find us at the Talking Simpsons Network if you go to patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. That supports everything that we do. And if you sign up at the $5 level, you'll get a lot of great incentives like bonus podcasts. And also, you'll get every episode of this podcast a week ahead of time and ad-free. And the same goes for our other sister podcast, What a Cartoon. Also, if you sign up at the $10 level, you'll get access to our monthly movie podcast where we do What a Cartoon, but for a different animated film. Our first one was Batman Mask of the Phantasm. We don't know yet what our December one is going to be. It's up to the audience. So if you sign up at the $10 level, you'll be able to hear even more podcasting fun from me and Bob. That's right. Again, that's patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. If you sign up today, you'll hear so many bonus podcasts you've never heard before. If you like listening to us, there's a lot you've missed in the past 18 plus months of our Patreon. So check it out, please, at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. We'd appreciate it a lot. As for me, I've been one of your hosts, Bob Mackey. Uh, find me on Twitter as Bob Servo. My other podcast is Retronauts. It's a classic gaming podcast every Monday and occasionally on Friday at uh, retronauts.com or go to uh, look up Retronauts in your podcast machine. It is a classic gaming podcast. If you like video games, we have to have talked about something that you like, so check it out. It's retronauts.com. Henry. H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G. That is my Twitter handle. If you follow me there, you'll find out all the news when we do new episodes, when we announce new events like our, don't forget, January 16th at SF Sketchfest, me and Bob, 8 p.m. on that Wednesday night. We'll be doing another live podcast recording, so check that out. And you'll learn about all that and more if you were to follow me on Twitter, H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G. Thanks so much for listening, folks. We'll see you next week for Homer's Enemy or Homer the Sloth Has No Enemies. We'll see you then. You've just got to accept it. Your Game Boy is gone. It's at the bottom of the ocean. Hi. Hi. Hi.